welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 165th episode of the podcast, airing December 26th, 2023. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back once again, special guest Gray Crawford to join me for the fifth year in a row to record our epic marathon annual forecast. In this episode, you'll hear all about the astrology of 2024, where Gray and I provide an in-depth summary of celestial themes for the coming new year, so you know what to expect in the year of the dragon. We start out the program with a general overview of 2024's major planetary themes and players before jumping into a month-by-month breakdown of the hottest spots we think this year's astrology will deliver. So pop some popcorn and grab a notebook because this is going to be a long one. Now to follow along as we step through the charts, you can tune into the video version of this episode on YouTube. And if you would like to support this program, come on over to energeticprinciples.com where you can book a personal consultation with yours truly and we can look over your year ahead in a more customized fashion. You can also sign up for my monthly newsletter there, The Heavenly Wind, or you can leave a tip in the tip jar if you are appreciative of this podcast or any of the episodes that I have released. All right. Who is ready to hear all about the astrology of 2024? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, all right, all right. We are back with the Energetic Principles podcast for a very special episode. Uh, We are doing the year ahead for 2024. And of course, of course... For the fifth year in a row, I have invited Gray Crawford here to join me to talk all about the annual forecast. Thanks for joining me again, Gray. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be doing this again with you. I can't believe it's been five years. That's a <laughs> yeah. Basically, everyone since the twenty twenty preview, which is which is perfect. We're doing this again because that's one of the big themes of this year is all this new dissolution new new emergence of things that started taking happening in 2020 and hitting a big sort of critical phase of development with multiple aspects of of what was going on then i know i feel like we've seen so much we've seen so much in our time of forecasting (laughs) for years ahead it's like and it started at just the right time right we first forecast 2020 um and it really is like the the beginning of a new chapter um, so we are back for 2024 and there is a lot of, uh, celestial action to share here today. So before we get started, just in case you're new to the podcast, you're uh, new to me, you're new to gray, you're new to whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm going to give a gray a second to share a little bit about yourself. Who are you gray? Well, you can find my work at graycrawford.net. I'm an astrologer, do a variety of, um, you know, primarily, I guess, needle consultations are what I do the most, but I do um, some horroring also. Sometimes I help people with electional stuff. Um, have a number of actually courses this year I'll be doing. So I also teach, um, I guess we'll get, we can talk about that later and speak at conferences. And I also have a Patreon that you can check out which is just my name, Gray Crawford. You can find a yes. link on my site and everything. 
Yes, Gray has a, a wealth of uh, knowledge in astrology and also a wealth of words to share. So if you like reading uh, about astrology um, and for, especially from a poetic lens with the the Piscean, the Piscean uh, character that he is, <laughs> definitely go check out Gray's work. So, all right. Well, oh, gosh, where do we begin? Where do we begin? This is always the question. So it only seems right to start with just an overview of what 2024 has uh, in store. And I, I have, so before we do these podcasts, before I do any podcast, I always have a, an outline of what it is we're going to talk about. And especially when we do have the year ahead is like the outline and then this big mind map and then there's this and this and this. And so Gray, I am going to give you the opportunity to tell the listeners and me, what do you think is like the biggest piece of 2024 as far as an overview, the biggest piece of what's happening in your mind, whether it's a transit or even just a vibe? Well, to me, the, I mean, the biggest alignment of the year, in my opinion, is, is, is a Jupiter-Uranus conjunction, and we can definitely go into that at, at greater length. It's the main like outer, you know, from Jupiter on outwards. It's the one um, alignment of, as far as something actually coming together, one cycle ending and another cycle beginning. We'll talk more about this, but it happens every 14 years, basically. So we had one, you know, 2010, 2011 was the last one. And that is a cycle that is is one of the more really obvious, powerful cycles to learn about in astrology that has a lot of really clear um, thematic manifestations that, that typically happen, and um, which is really explained uh, beautifully in Cosmos and Psyche by Rick Tarnas. That's one of the main cycles he went into there, as well as Saturn-Pluto, which... which um, so we have, in 2020, when, when I was just mentioning that before, Besides the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction and that new cycle starting, which, among other things, is all about, um, I guess, innovation and really breaking breakthroughs that kind of take um, developments to sort of like another level beyond where things were mm. in all fields is, is just a general thing meaning of that cycle but we have a number of things building off that 2020 um sort of inception 2020 began with the saturn pluto conjunction which was a major thing it timed it with very well with the beginning of the pandemic um and that 2020 year ended with a conjunction between jupiter and saturn at the first degree of aquarius which was a major um, sort of epochal shift because whether it, it basically, you know, we've talked about this before and I'm sure most people hearing this already know all this, but, you know, 80, you know, beginning of the 80s, we had a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Libra and the tropical zodiac, which was the first one in an air sign. And in, 20, in 2000, it went back to Taurus. But if you use the mean conjunction of them, which is actually what the, the older form of tracking these into 200 year elemental cycles actually used. The first one was actually in 2000 and it was in Gemini. And it's just which frame of looking at that you use, mm. but, but 2020 brought us into 
you know, mean conjunction and just tropical conjunction. It's Aquarius. We're solidly into this air era that goes for about 200 years. I think of in terms of tropical conjunctions, there's not one out of the air element to like 2159 or something like that. So we're really solidly in this new era of air, which is which is this huge deal. Um, and we've seen already all these waves of change. And so building off that 2020, you know, new Saturn Pluto, new Jupiter Pluto, new Jupiter Saturn. Um, this year, we come into the waxing square aspect between Jupiter and Saturn. And that's massive. So we basically go from Jupiter, Uranus starting a new cycle. Jupiter's a really key player. Um, and then Jupiter is going to move out of that Jupiter-Uranus conjunction into a square Mm -hmm. with Saturn. So at the same time, we have a new Jupiter-Uranus cycle beginning. We're getting this big big critical waxing square um, turning point of the Jupiter-Saturn cycle hits, and that's going to have big manifestations. At the same time, even though it's not that traditional like major Ptolemaic aspect, Saturn uh, will move into a semi-square with Pluto, which is uh, the 45 degree angle. Mm. So like the classic like eight phase model of like the lunar cycle people often talk about, if you're familiar with that and like, you know, 45 degrees is like the crescent phase. That waxing crescent, yeah. Yeah, Saturn Pluto um, hit that. Um, and that comes in in May, the first one, which is basically following the Uranus Jupiter conjunction and right before um, Jupiter goes into Jupiter Gemini Saturn, and start, yeah. starts up that, up that up. So also then we have, of course, Pluto going into Aquarius and spending most of the year hovering around that zero Aquarius degree. And yeah. then we'll talk about kind of dipping back to 29 Capricorn again. But so that again is also hitting back to that, that 2020 Jupiter Saturn conjunction. Yeah. So that's one of the just most basic Think, th themes to just me some it's just some basic themes you big, know just some big world yeah, themes <laughs> everything changing in 2020 which is massive right and we're yeah. we're really moving into this critical critical point relating to those cycles yeah and well and it's it's so to say that this is the moment we've been waiting for like because <laughs> that was a feeling a lot with 2020 2021 and just this weird dynamic of where the world is what you know sitting it out for a long period with the pandemic and okay well now where is this going how is it changing what's the what's the the new world where's the Where's the action? And this is to me, we we said this in the 2023 forecast, how there was going to start to be this year was more of the opening up, really the opening up to the cycle. But it's it's this year that brings the 2024 that brings all those dynamic activations that you were just describing. Um, and uh, as Gray has said in, in the past, I think on the podcast about 2025 and 2026, those are very dynamic years too. So we can kind of think about in a broader stroke of what's happening this year. There, it's a it's a pivotal activation point, especially with what you're saying with Jupiter Uranus too, because that is, I mean, any year that we have a grand conjunction taking place, you know, something significant is happening, ending, seeding, you know, there's the, the two heavyweights come together and there is some sort of collective dynamic or shift um, that takes place. And so 
Wow. There's going to be a lot to talk about that. I, luckily I'd had some, oh, I had some notes, uh, with Jupiter, uh, Jupiter Uranus that if you mm -hmm. had listened to the Wade Caves program that I did with Jupiter and Taurus back last year, I shared some things there, but I want to bring them back up because I think that they're, and then pair them with what Gray has to say, because they are pretty, uh, uh it's a, definitely a potent moment. Um, yeah. I think that like the, what you said with the, the Pluto dynamic obviously is huge dancing, doing the final dance between 29 degrees and, and zero Aquarius. But I also think it's interesting that Neptune is finally reaching the 29th degree of Pisces too. So there's mm -hmm. this, the, these two, uh, these two ma mammoth of planets, uh, that affect us mm -hmm. collectively and, you know, psychically are at these anoretic degrees, uh, that are very mm -hmm. potent in the sky. Um, and yeah. And so of course those are going to be big, uh, the eclipses, we got, we got some big eclipses. We got the, the total, the, you know, the next big American total eclipse that, <laughs> that everybody was talking about back in, you know, 2016, 2017, when we had the, the great American eclipse that happened, uh, across the country from Oregon and, and down through, right. Was it through the South? Did it go, it go all the way through the South? That one. Yeah. It went out in South Carolina area, which yeah. there was like a, uh, yeah, really horrific, like mass shooting that happened around there, um, as well as that um, weird, almost like KKK kind of march people were doing. I don't really mm. remember that, but that was like going on, and it was notable because like it was sort of like that's where the eclipse, the area, of yeah, that South Carolina region was sort of like where the eclipse was going out, yeah. And so this is so we're having the second installment of the great American eclipse, essentially, with the total eclipse that's coming up through Mexico and going across the um, the Midwest zone and and up through Detroit and uh, that area. So we're which is an interesting part of uh, America. I know not all listeners are from, you know, here, but of course, Gray and I are. So we have a different kind of scope of talking about this country. Uh, but that is a, a, to have that area of the country, um, I want to say uh, illuminated, but it's actually the opposite, right? <laughs> because it's being, yeah. I mean, Americans, like yeah, we tend to make everything about ourselves too much but in this case it really is something where um this eclipse is actually focused on um mexico and the united states and yeah. and it's and it's really is going right up through that region where i mean there's a number of things there's all the um issues around abortion in texas which is a big mm. story then obviously the probably the most obvious connection with all of that is um immigration and refugees obviously focused to um, Mexico, United States, but then, you know, that's obviously, that's just another massive um, global issue that's been going on and will, you know, continue. Yeah. I also think about that area too, of how it has just been rocked in the, the last, uh, you know, 40 years or so with just the dynamic of, um, work and it, it, these used to be very thriving communities, but, you know, especially like Ohio and the car business and Detroit. And, and then there was this, 
demise of the uh, job market there and, and then the housing structures. And so it's an area of the country that has gone through immense change already because of certain social and political dynamics. So I'm intrigued as to how this eclipse is going to activate that that belt of the country. And then also I remember, I remember seeing, and I can't, I can't for remember who it was that gave this lecture, but right before the 2017 eclipse, there was the, uh, they did a lecture on the two eclipses as pairs and thinking about their intersection of where they actually meet and mm -hmm. sort of that, the strength of um, what could go on in uh, that, that hot spot. Of course, now I'm trying to think about where where it actually was. Uh, was it Tennessee it, or like kind of? Uh, I need a map. I feel like it's in the area of, of Texas ballpark, but I I don't remember specifically where it is. I think it um, was. Now it's a little bit farther up. I want to say. Um, okay, I guess it's not. That's cities. It doesn't have. I'm looking at a, a map that I'm Mal. You need to work on your geography, girl. Uh, Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee just visualizes in my mind. You're right that Tennessee would make sense. Since Tennessee or maybe like Kansas. Okay. Or Missouri. Is, Is that Missouri, Arkansas? Sort of that zone. Um, anyways. Like St. Louis or something. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we got some dynamic eclipses coming with Aries, with uh, Libra. And also we're going to get a Pisces. We're going to get a Pisces eclipse, right, Gray? Yeah, so there's a Pisces eclipse close to Neptune. So that's a whole nother thing. And when you're referencing 2025, 2026, which is when um, Saturn and Neptune will start coming together and hitting that zero degrees of Aries degree, yeah, which is also around the time that Uranus <laughs> comes into Gemini. And that's when stuff's really going to go down with much more amplified, mm. um, even more than what's going on now. Theoretically, we would all be expecting that. Something's really building to that. So this year is like a real critical entrance into that sort of acceleration. And yeah, that lunar eclipse in Pisces in the middle of September is really close to Neptune. You know, the moon's basically waxing from Saturn into Neptune. And this year, like you're saying, Neptune gets up to like, it's hovering around that 29 Pisces degree and Saturn gets up to about 19 Pisces. So they get within about, 10 or so degrees yeah. of one another so we're kind of i feel like last year i know some astrologers think you really need to use like the orb of saturn but i feel like it was pretty obvious that the co-presence of saturn and neptune and pisces was clearly happening um and then that being said it's going to we're going to get another much stronger wave of that coming in this year which will only intensify in the following two years but that's already been going on that's going to um come up even more, which definitely has a lot of just massive um, disillusionment, dissolving of things, um, breaking things down, um, which is all, which will all be a part of how stuff starts reassembling. Mm -hmm. um, there's already been a lot of concerns around also how this has affected um, water issues, water yeah. life, access to water and because of all these things, we 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 can expect that to only intensify because sort of similar to like like that Saturn Pluto alignment and the fact that eclipses made that so much more powerful. Mm. Um, the Saturn Pluto, I mean the Saturn Neptune, is also going to end up. We're going to end up having these eclipses hitting it 
which especially lunar eclipses, if I'm remembering right, are the ones that really hit it hard. And so um, that's just going to yeah. really intensify how <laughs> impactful the Saturn Neptune would have been anyway. Yeah. Especially around thinking about lunar eclipses and, and just the sea dynamic and the ocean dynamic mm -hmm. and just the the connection that the lunar energy has with the the ocean and its powers. And I mean, we see whales rising up right now. Mm -hmm. It was like the 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 intelligence of these animals trying to get the message across. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Anyways, anyways, that is a big theme uh, that will start to creep in. Very appropriate Neptune word. We're going to start to creep it in. But it's true. Second Saturn moved into Pisces. It's like you can't deny who's in the room, right? It's very mm -hmm. apparent. Um, and we're just in the buildup. So uh, a couple more things that are happening this year before we get into the kind of step-by-step -step delineation that we do is we also have Mercury retrogrades that are going to be switching from Earth signs to fire signs. Um, there'll be a little bit of an Earth taste in, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. in the uh, late summer. Uh, mm -hmm. But for the most part, we are shifting to fire, which is is exciting uh, as fire is. We, you know, we're getting uh, off those more practical survival sort of dynamics that Mercury retrograde and Earth can can bring. Um, but what's your take on Mercury retrograding through fire signs? Yeah, I, I think use the words exciting i mean it, it, it can be potentially i mean honestly mercury retrograde in an element could be bringing up issues you got to work through related exactly. to that element. but the thing is at the same time it ultimately um leads to a lot of um innovation which i think mm -hmm. is actually really one of the themes of this year with the jupiter uranus conjunction also coming in kind of paired with that is that facing difficult critical phases of development and maybe things not working out the way you had hoped but being kind of forced to innovate and um, because mercury retrograde does bring a lot of innovation into um, whatever area it's hitting yeah that fire element um i guess it makes me think about things around um obviously fire is always enthusiastic and uh wanting to burn and um but ultimately um, can really create a lot of like breakthroughs and movement. And it really gets, it's, of all the elements, it's a thing that really gets things moving. Mm. Um, of course, it also requires things to burn and, and <laughs> True. to burn and fuel to be provided for it. But I guess that's something to be, um, yeah, I, I just feel like it, it adds in potential, it adds into, to, I think, an, an atmosphere where, there will likely be um, extremely difficult current events going on. Um, you know, as we're talking right now, the, you know, just devastation uh, brought by Israel into Gaza is very much going on right now as we're talking with no end in sight. And um, that combined with a lot of other issues, I know as we're recording it now, there's so many difficult current events going on in the world that creates a lot of fear about where things can go and what can be done about them. And I don't really see that ending this year. And and I and um I saw an article even in the New Yorker talking about people's like news exhaustion. They were doing like the top 10 news stories of the year and they're showing statistically um they've shown like there's been this dramatic drop in people um 
even paying attention to the news and what new and it was even all the news stories that were like the most popular reads for the New Yorker weren't necessarily like the ones that were about the um, big kind of crises things happening. And um, but at the same time that that's going on, um, obviously the, this depends upon where you are and your circumstances, but there's a lot of um, innovation and growth and change and really taking whatever ability you have to reshape your life and direct your life and create something new with your life. That is really going to be there. And I think the Mercury retrograde and fire signs is going to be really um, adding into that sort of um, yeah, providing that, that, that fire element into yeah. things. Yeah. That, that, that spark that, uh, I mean, that's the thing is like when you take care of all the practical dilemmas and problem solving and just that day-to-day -day reality is like when you kind of sort that stuff out and then all of a sudden you're thrown into the uh the creation element and the more the the vital and uh you know the spirit where the spirit is that and then sorting out the um the well, I don't want to say difficulties around that, but it it can be like, okay, well, well, now I've I've done this, I've been there, and I'm like, well, where am I now? What do I want out of life? What am I? Where am I going? Like, what makes me feel alive? Like, what doesn't make me feel alive? And how do I reconcile that with everything that's going on in the world and where my place is and just these more of these spiritual sort of. Um, uh, reviews of how you can use your, your vital energy to, yeah, I feel, feel excited about life. It's, it's hard. I can see why people are dropping off. Um, I have, I have information exhaustion, exhaustion, news exhaustion. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we, and that's, that's a difficult thing because it's, it's a slippery slope. We don't want to be in that state because obviously, especially with Saturn, Neptune coming and all these dynamic elements. It's like, you can't check out, but this is the exhaustion is the creation in our own making. And that's the whole thing with the, all this air energy that's coming in and Pluto and Aquarius. It's like, we have to find, we can't, we can't bombard people because then it's just going to, yeah, we're just, we're just, going but, to have to check out for our sanity <laughs> you know yeah and that's dangerous well, i definitely think what you just brought up with the mercury retrograde and fire sign is really important and i think that's a really good theme is what you're talking about like checking in with you know where are you feeling your energy is being really drained and you're you're losing its vitality and what can be used to really recharge and kind of let light your flame again and like what's this flame that you can really kind of tend and what's going to really feed that fire because we we need what we need with where things are going in the world is is people getting fired yes. up and like yes. getting inflamed and and but not in a way that's because the, 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 what what will also be happening is there's definitely things being lit on fire and people really swept up into things and bigger movements and that can be really positive and that can also be um, destructive and people can yeah. lose a sense of themselves and so there's sort of a way of um, but at the same time, we, we do need everyone to get fired up and get more like uh, taking responsibility for how what you're contributing to how the world's going. I think the other thing about that, though, is what you were just mentioning with the news exhaustion. 
in this age of air that we've entered and with Pluto coming into Aquarius, it also really puts a premium premium on uh, the way the air element, especially Aquarius, can be about, you know, information control, even to the point of like a brainwashing. And, um, you know, we've been in a cycle of the, the news. I, I mean, I think people don't know what to trust in the news anymore. And then there's also all these like manipulative entities The deep fakes. out there trying to to shape to put out different <laughs> false news and and yeah. and that's going to obviously be accelerating probably even more with with AI advancements. And so, I think that's another factor too. Like I think people are not even sure what to even look at for news coverage as far as accuracy and um, Yeah. doesn't So that doesn't have a lot of bias like. In, involved in it. yeah. And that that enter Pluto and Aquarius. I mean, that's the uh that's the deep dive. That's the work. That's the uh <laughs> that's the 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 dark that needs to be rooted out uh, in order to live in the world and how it's changing, right? I think this is that going to be the work that we do there or partially some of it. So yeah, that shift of Mercury is going to be very dynamic and we're going to be feeling it in our, I like the term you use, Gray, fired up. And speaking of fired up, uh, the last really mention before we go on to looking at the individual months is Mars. <laughs> Mars All right, is yeah. going to be going retrograde, but not until the end of the year. So it's not until December that Mars actually goes retrograde. It's going to go retrograde in Leo, about six degrees Leo, and it's going to retrograde back into Cancer. Um, and Mars retrogrades are always, uh, you know, newsworthy and some news you definitely want to read about. Uh, but this one's going to be a little extra special because it's going to have a relationship with Pluto and be opposing Pluto in uh, the anoretic degree of Capricorn and Cancer, but then also in the Leo uh, Aquarius axis. And so even though we're going to get a taste of it at the end of this year, it's going to stretch into uh, 2025. Mm It this is this is an aspect. This is. Big news to me. What do you think, Gray? -hmm. yeah and it's a dramatic difference between the end of next year compared to the end of this year the, the end of this year has to me more some beneficial positive astrology we can talk about the end of next year it's it's um much more um Wow. <laughs> wild and like yeah just really um storms stormy and that kind of thing um not only mars but i would say the mars venus cycle is another really key um element this next Mm, year yes. So they're going to basically come together in February, around February 22nd at basically seven degrees of Aquarius. There's beyond, there's a Mars-Venus conjunction. That's always really important to pay attention Yeah. to. That Mars-Venus conjunction is configured pretty tightly to Jupiter squaring it. And the moon just happens to be flowing through Leo opposite at the same time. Um, but that degree of Aquarius... The, the opposition between the moon and Leo and the Mars-Venus conjunction in Aquarius is basically the same degrees as where Mars ends up stationing a retrograde at the end of the year. So there's something about this Mars-Venus uh, inception of this new cycle that become in February, which is always about very much to me um, 
what we've already been talking about. It's, it's all about, you know, what do you really want to create? What do you want to bring into your life? What are your actual, what are the values and um, ethics and desires that are sort of underpinning um, how you go out and, you know, fight for what you believe in and go after what you want in the world. And um, the other thing about the Mars Venus cycle is we'll talk about this later, but when we get to the very first square aspect that Jupiter and Gemini formed with Saturn and Pisces, the Mars-Venus cycle also is at a waxing square overlapping mm. that alignment. So Mars-Venus come into a square aspect basically around the same time that Jupiter and Saturn come into a square aspect. And Mars will be in Gemini conjoining Jupiter and Gemini. And Venus will be in Virgo squaring Mars and Jupiter and opposite Saturn. So like it, it creates this T square of like yeah. Saturn, Saturn and Pisces, Mars and Jupiter and Gemini, Venus and Virgo. And that's in like around August 19th or so. So the what's what's brought up by this Mars Venus cycle and then how that ends up feeding into the Mars retrograde at the end of the year, which is opposing Pluto, is is just a massive, massive element of what's going on. There's also yeah. a Sun Venus conjunction in Gemini in, in June. Um which is a kind of squaring Saturn. So that that actually comes in. There's a Venus, um, like Ariel Gutman's Venus star point, you know, um, and how important those alignments are when the the Venus, we were, we're at a Venus and Gemini star point superior conjunction. That's also kind of pinging that same mutable degree where, yeah. where Jupiter ends up going and everything. So yeah, that's that's a really, I would say, Mars and Venus are also very, very important this year. Which as you're speaking, Gray, it makes me think it's, um, I mean, we've had so much action in the, the fixed signs in the last couple of years. And we, we, other than Jupiter and Uranus, which is a big aspect, we're really leaving this territory for um, obviously the cardinal action that's in the eclipses, but there's just so much taking place in the mutable signs. Um, yeah. And just thinking about mute, just thinking about the prevalence of mutable action paired with cardinal action, you know, the, the transitions and the pivots and the, like, it, there's a lot of movement um, and a lot of flexibility and a lot of shifting um, that is going to be taking place this year through the tension of those aspects that you just described. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'd be wheeling, we'd be wheeling and dealing this year. <laughs> yeah. And the to... mutable, you know, being someone that's extremely mutable myself, um, what you have <laughs> oh, yeah. to embrace with that is the fact that you're maybe going to have multiple things going on at once. You're going to maybe be starting one thing and going to another yeah. thing, but you need to, you have to always just keep on coming back. You got to circle back, keep working on, it's just kind of getting everything. You might, you, there's going to be more of a tendency to have different things we have to manage, but circling back around, it it, it adds. It's not to a straight more, line. Yeah, it's more of a, it's even it's really emphasizing the non-linear aspect of reality that's there anyway. But just really doubling down on that, and um, but it also really points to being flexible and being able to mutate and shift as mm -hmm. needed. Yeah, um, no, it's true. Yeah. It's so, not going to work to just be like, this has to be this certain way. Yeah. Like, that's not going to work. You can't, you're not going to be able to be that way. No, Saturn will be like, mm -mm, no, you gotta, you gotta double body it. 
you got to come here. You got to go there. You got to, you got to do what I like to call sidewind. You guys like you're, you're a snake, you know, it's the movement mm -hmm. isn't just, it's like, mm. no, we got to go here. We got to go there. We got to go here. We got to go there. And it's just, yeah, it's. Um, yeah. Serpents are a great analogy for things going on. And I, and I think not just that's shifting, like you're describing, but the shedding and, and then, you know, there's really something where like, it's like the, sh the skin is shed in a mm. lot of ways um, this year. And it's really like, you know, what, what are you going to become? You know, you, you, you're, and if you're still, I guess, holding on and you, you haven't, you're yeah. fighting, you're resisting the shedding of whatever that skin is that's been happening this past, um, I guess, three, three to four years, especially. Yeah. Um, if you're not already involved in that process, it's going to get you're going to have even more, I think, intensity kind of pulling you to look at that and, and shed whatever that is that's been in the way. All right. So, uh, get your skin brush out. I don't know if anybody yeah. does skin brush, you know, just start, start brushing because we're going to be losing, losing some skin here. Um, in a, in a, it's going to be the year. This, this just reminded me it's speaking of serpents, you know, the, oh, great the dragon. Serpents. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's going to be, it is the year of the dragon. Mm. Which I, I mean, I'm not an expert in 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 uh, China astrology, but that's years of the dragon are a really big deal, and um, it is a year of the dragon, which which I think does point to the, the, like this this big another sign of it being a critical year. Yeah, the year of the dragon. Mm. Yeah, no, that's okay. Well, let's channel in our dragon vibes. If that's not Mercury retrograde and in fire either you know like i just it's a fire breathing dragon so all right well all that being said gray i think we should uh we should get to it um so if you're watching the video i'm gonna go ahead and share my screen so we can look at some charts here uh and usually how we do this is we go about the uh zodiacal seasons more and kind of start with you know january 1st is a little arbitrary when it comes to oh that's the beginning of the year but when we're thinking about from a, a celestial lens it's more of this solstice placement so we're going to start with capricorn season um and work through our winter months well if you're winter if you're in the northern hemisphere here so let's think, Gray, what is sort of the best way? I'm trying to think about the best way to approach it. Like, I guess do like a little overview of just kind of the main, the main things that are going on in the season um, and then honing in on them. Do you have any thoughts there or you just want me to just go with it? <laughs> sure. We, we, whatever feels best to you. I mean, that's, yeah. that's. I think good in terms of giving an um, overview if you want ahead of time. Yeah. So, so Capricorn season, uh, just to relay, um, yeah, this will over, over, uh, if you're going to listen to the program with Shu Yap, of course, we're going to overlay a little bit here uh, with the podcast that just came out before this one. But uh, one of the main things that, there are a couple main things that are happening in Capricorn season. We obviously have Mercury uh, still retrograde. We start Capricorn season off with a uh, conjunction with Mercury and the sun um, on the zero degree Capricorn point, which is very 
uh, impactful. Yeah, it's a yeah. really powerful. Um, it is. <laughs> and, you know, Mercury's just separating from that sextile to Saturn and the sun's moving into it. So there's also like even that sextile with Saturn and then also the obviously the trine with um, Jupiter and the moon's flowing in there with Jupiter. So there's, it's an extremely to me, uh, now there is some Mars Mercury happening at the same yes, time. Yes, there but, is. Um, to me, that can also be about um, this real deep visioning of what we're even talking about. You know, what do you really want to go out and create this year? Yeah. Yeah. There is this sort of coming into 2024 alone is this, you know, nebulous, dreamy what it what is what isn't where where it what am i perceiving what am i inspired by what is falling away it's just it, there's an incubation happening at the end of this year with uh mercury mars neptune um and that really leads us to a dynamic start i think that one of the things about capricorn season and just the beginning of the year is that it, we get a dynamic start pretty much right away in my mind i'm just gonna fast forward into january and because once mars moves into so mars is going to move into capricorn right at the beginning of the year on January 4th. And by that time, Mars is almost getting to the place where it's, you know, out from under the beams of the sun. It's not quite there, but I think it getting into its place of exaltation and... Yeah, no, it's extreme. Uh, it's, it's entering its exaltation while it's like rising. Yeah. It's extremely powerful. Yeah. yeah, so Mars is like on steroids basically at this point, at the beginning yeah. of its cycle, right? So it has that extra juice mm -hmm. behind it. So that paired with a lot of uh, Earth trines that are going to take place, um, with once, especially once Mercury gets back in there, we're going to have these flows to Jupiter, to Uranus, um, a lot of uh, obviously Capricorn action. And then we're going to have the square to uh, the new moon in Capricorn is going to be a square, the uh, nodal bendings or no, it's going to be at the nodal mm. bendings, but squaring the nodes. Uh, so that's always a pivotal moment just in yearly astrology. And then we cap off the uh, end of Capricorn season with the conjunction to Pluto at 29 degrees in 59 minutes. Like what a, what a way to end a season. So gray, any, um, what do you think about those movements or anything to add uh, some talking points? Yeah, well, I mean, as you're showing here with this new moon that happens on January 11th, really the the central, if one of the central themes is, is Pluto and Pluto being at that final degree, we get that new moon that comes in conjoining Pluto. January 11th, that might make people remember again back to 2020 because this is basically around the same time that we had the eclipse and the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Um, so this new moon comes in very close to the degree of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in 2020, while mm. it's also the final Capricorn new moon that is applying to a conjunction with Pluto and Capricorn. We've had a bunch of them over the years, but this is um, the last one. Next year, uh, Pluto will be in Aquarius for good, but when we get to the, the Capricorn time next year, so that's definitely one thing is 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 um this extreme um amplification of Pluto at the final degree because the other thing like you mentioned is at the very end when the sun comes up to the Pluto con 
this the conjunction between the sun and pluto it's at like 29 59 capricorn so like the very next day the sun goes into aquarius and then not long after that pluto yeah. goes into aquarius so basically like the sun and pluto sort of go into aquarius together um so it's it's really emphasizing that transition but the other thing is that um we get that beautiful i i really love that solstice chart so much um if you are not someone that normally really makes some sacred space and time for yourself on the solstice, really make an attempt to do that this year. And then that week following the solstice chart, you know, as we get to the end of 2023, going into the beginning of 2024, we get Jupiter stationing direct at the end of 2023. Yes. Uh, Mercury stationing direct at the beginning of 2024. Um, Chiron stations direct also at the end of 2023 around the full full moon mm -hmm. and then when we get to the end of january which is i guess we're jumping ahead to the, the aquarius part but once uranus stations um direct which is around if i'm remembering right like january 27th 27th yeah we're gonna we're gonna get to this point where everything is um ultimately by the end of january everything oh. will be moving direct and, and we'll yeah. continue to do so until the beginning of april so there this this it's like this um there's a big emphasis on the turn of the year this year with Mercury and Jupiter stationing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just, um, it's a year where I feel like the idea of like really setting intentions and really centering on that with the Mercury, um, sun conjunction coming in. This is like actually a year where that really works. I feel like to really be making those deep intentions mm. for the year. And then there's, there's by the end of January, there's just this huge, you know, push forward with all the, all the planets moving direct. Yeah. So that's something to really prepare for. And um compared to the rest of the year, this is a time to really take advantage of. Yes. As as you can. I agree. I agree. It is it is literally by the time we get to the Uranus stationing at the end of January, it is full, it's you know, full steam ahead, essentially. Uh and like you were saying, Gray, just the fact that Mercury stations on the, you know, January 1st, Jupiter two days before that, uh, just getting that sense, especially after having that incubation period of going through the Mercury, Mars, Neptune vortex, and all of a sudden we're leaving the fire energy and, and really rebirthing in the earth, right. With this January 11th new moon, uh, that is, um, you know, it is trying Uranus here right before Uranus goes direct. There is, there, there's just momentum. There's momentum mm -hmm. that can be capitalized on in January. And that's the thing. So let's, uh, let's continue forward in our, um, trying to like work all this, an I'm trying to like work on annotation yeah. and then do this and like, all right, right Dana, just go. to reemphasize what we, you've already been bringing up, is it just that 29 degree, you know, as you're yeah, coming that's into this, so going. just to think about this, you know, um, there's a really nice article that Brian Clark wrote that I think the Mountain Astrologer was recently sharing a link to, but going into the kind of writing up an extended, um, Brian Clark's an astrologer that lives in uh, Tasmania, but he did a really, has a very beautiful, um, poetic, symbolic use of language. Um, mm. It's definitely one of my role models in the astrology world in that way, talking about, you know, that 29 i really like the way he described this it's sort of like a boundary crossing even if you know we can say it's imaginary obviously 
half, at least half the astrologers in the world, if not more, don't even think this is the end of a sign. Cause if you're using the sidereal zodiac, yeah. we're not at a sign boundary. So, but if we're, if you're thinking tropical zodiac, it's a boundary, but he used the analogy sort of like growing up in Canada and crossing in the United States as a kid. And like, even though that's also an imaginary boundary, it's still something that we humans, you know, where, where all these people were agreeing as a boundary. It's a state of and, a line. <laughs> and it's, and then just his sense of like, you know, how the landscape would change and, you know, just approaching that boundary crossing. And, and if you think about any boundary between one state being and another or one land and another or cultures or whatever it is, there's something where we're at the, yeah, that final culmination point and we can sense there's this other thing on the other side and um, it's this massive threshold and it's like, so it's a massive collective threshold. Um, also, he brought up, which I really like this idea that threshold guardians and deities and mm. new gods and so forth often show up when we're at this time, mm. which, which is something that's clearly happening and of course we had a very you know last year we had pluto and aquarius for a little bit for a few months but um this year when pluto goes into aquarius it'll spend most of them most of us the year and it'll, it'll have a pretty solid almost nine months it won't be till um early september, september. that it goes back to, to um yeah. the capricorn so we'll have the whole first part of the year it's all pluto and aquarius yeah we're we're getting a full take we're not getting we're not just licking it we're like we're taking a bite out of pluto and aquarius basically to uh use a uh cancerian food analogy um yeah. but there we do have to take in the potency that is the synodic cycle of the sun and pluto at the last degree last minute of our the last minute of yeah. our perceived <laughs> threshold i mean you can't make this stuff up because it's not even just the uh i mean obviously they, to me great there's just so much symbolism here because obviously there is the connection of okay well this is the culmination of an uh, of an illumination of the consciousness that we have gained since it moved into Capricorn. But there's also this, just because it dances in with Aquarius at the same time, to me, there's also this illumination of this year-long cycle about the like ending of the Earth Age in itself, mm. right? Like from mm -hmm. a real a much larger standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, and why we're seeing uh why we're seeing the destruction that that we are uh in systems failing and how like power grabs for old uh value concepts and the way that money is shifting and like just all that it is really going to be a big theme illuminated this this year uh in my mind and so yeah there's this is a tricky this is a tricky aspect um and we're just gonna have to live it out to see, you know, how the cycle and the spe and that just to reiterate the fact that Mars in uh, in um, ugh, at the end of the year is going to oppose yeah. uh, that this exact degree when Pluto is back on it for the final time. There is, yeah, some I don't want to say the shit's gonna hit the fan, but we're gonna see what twenty nine degree Pluto in Capricorn <laughs> is yeah. and what it it's needs to wrap up. Yeah, it's extremely powerful. And I mean, like you mentioned, uh, Mars is 
recently likely risen at this time, Mm, Mars is yes. in this new cycle, in his exaltation, but then that's when was this, when this is happening, but where Mars goes in this cycle and ultimately right before stationing retrograde ends up coming back to oppose that same Pluto 29, you know, in Cancer, then we'll go retrograde and oppose Pluto again, and then we'll go direct eventually and oppose Pluto again. So like we're, it, it, it is, there is something really, um, there and yeah. you know it's definitely the the positive way to think about this is definitely thinking about all the stuff with your own personal growth and the way things have changed and um since 2008 with pluto and capricorn it, it also does unfortunately mean just um a cyclical return to various horrors and horrible things you know monstr monstrosities from that time period and, and one of the things i have noticed about the um you know israel and going into invading gaza is when we if you go back um to when pluto first went into capricorn not long after pluto went into capricorn at the end of 2008 there was this big invasion of, of gaza and a lot of human right abuses that happened there had been a ceasefire that had ended um that year and I think Pluto had gone into Capricorn earlier that year for a little bit, but it was after Pluto came kind of came back to like firmly enter Capricorn. And then that happened very soon afterwards. Mm. And so when Pluto got back, you know, retrograding 29 Capricorn and scoring the nodes, and we we come into the solar eclipse hitting it like that, it was as one example that um Israel coming back, you know, that's just has taken over the news and um people talking about it being a genocide and um you know so and then there's all that's just one example but there's something about that coming to the end of a sign where where a lot of these cyclical store things just kind of come up again um and, and it doesn't actually mean that they're going to necessarily resolve um but it, it's like you're just confronted with it again i guess it, it's things come up again um, there's also a lot of economic uncertainty um, in 2008, mm -hmm. also with a, a global, you know, True. collapse. And that's, you know, we're coming around to people wondering how much of that's going to happen and or not. Um, I know there's different opinions about that, but yeah, there's definitely and that economic uncertainty out there too. And certainly um, some people are doing really well, but lots of people are really struggling around yeah. the world. And that's something that's going to feed into all, how things are going to go down, you know, in the years ahead. Yeah. And I, I, what comes to mind as you're speaking, Gray, is just thinking about, um, back to, you know, straight up survival issues when it comes to the, the, the last degree of, of earth signs here and thinking about just even in here in America and how we're already having, um, you know, there's been a lot of news lately about the fact that, you know, corporations can, uh, continue to buy up, you know, housing and, uh, you know, there's, it's difficult to find houses. P like the price of a house is, is getting astronomical. And there is this, you know, these bigger entities and these power structures that are taking away sort of these like basic rights to like freedom and to live and to have your, you know, your own spot. Um, and the, 
the the laws and the regulations and the bureaucracy that allows that to happen uh and that being a very um critical like just you know all these things but that falls into the financial aspect that fa- falls into the property the housing mm-hmm. the shelter um and and what's what's right like what's in corrupt about that like that's because at the end of the day pluto ha- likes to show what's corrupt in the world um so so that's so to move on because we of course we have like so much to talk about here but i think we can really kind of ride still the plutonian theme as we're in aquarius season right because as gray had already said we you know pluto follows the sun right into uh, aquarius and not too long after we have a full moon in leo that is going to oppose uh pluto pose the sun uh, and then go on to square that now direct Jupiter, which definitely Mm -hmm. has a lot of oomph to it. Um, But to even sort of just carry on from, from that, as we have the Uranus stationing direct right around that time too, uh, as the moon squares it, right. Um, There's there's like, there's some volatility, (laughs) I think to this period in late, late January. Yes. Particularly right here where you have it because in, uh, Mercury Mars comes together. So that's something else that's been going yes. on in this whole background this whole time mm-hmm. we haven't talked about is after Mercury stations direct, then Mercury goes into Capricorn and Mercury Mars is just traveling together basically all through this um this lunar cycle and, and they come together like just after the as a full just after the full moon. But full moon, you know, yeah. essentially the full moon is really amping up that mercury mars and then the full moon which also, uh, um, real quick gray just because mm-hmm. you already pointed this out about the station of mars retrograde this is actually the station direct point the opposition of the station direct point of mars mm-hmm. <laughs> mars is retrograde 17 cancer so just throwing that little factoid in there but go ahead yeah no that's a really good point um wow that's really interesting so yeah, that means that yeah, there's a Mercury Mars conjunction opposite where it ends up, and at the bendings of the nodes, direct, and then later in February we'll we'll talk about this. You know, when when Mars is like opposite where it ends up going retrograde, it's it's conjoining Venus. So there are other planets. Um, yeah, there's yeah, it's, but uh, this, this full moon's a really big deal, partially for that exactly what you're talking about, and then also the full moon being um, really close to the degree where Mars does go retrograde. So it's kind of mm-hmm. it's got a few different threads that are um, foreshadowing what will yeah. end, ultimately go down with that Mars retrograde that comes in at the end of the year and proceeds into the beginning of 2025. So it's sort of like I mean that won't be really honestly that helpful for you at this time yeah well but that 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 things are developed you know things might you'll it's one of those things where maybe later you look back at your life and different news you're stories like, oh. and then you're like <laughs> oh that's what that's you'll you'll make connections things will have bigger implications than you could really know right now than yeah. you know the way things will end up playing out yeah and so start to pay attention uh to obviously these these this polarity in your chart where leo and aquarius sit because there's going to be a lot of activity here obviously there already has been uh in the past but here we have different activating points taking place so know that the end of uh, january especially when we think about this polarity in your chart is going to be activated 
And and then the Uranian story too, because that, yeah. that Mercury Mars is going to be trining Uranus as it's stationing, uh, yeah. really facilitating the Earth flow that we were talking about earlier. That is a theme of January. January has a lot of Earth trines happening, and when we have Earth trines, that means things are you know in a practical sphere with our day-to-day -day reality and the survival issues of life uh, and how we're embodied. That there's Things are shifting. Things are changing. Um, and that can be exciting. That can be very, uh, like, literal, where it's like, oh, I've been thinking about this for so long, and now this is a reality. Like, something mm -hmm. shifts and it comes a reality. Yeah, with so, that full moon time with Uranus stationing, just, you know, keep in mind how Uranus, yeah, really is, is fully amped up here as far as making a strong presence in... Yes. personal and collective events um combined with that mars mercury trine so i mean we could definitely this is one of those things where like yeah there could be some really big news stories that are really obviously important and also personal events just like big you know big sudden changes something happening yeah. that in some cases it could be really obvious and then in other cases it might be the kind of thing where you, you realize later on how important it was yeah. And that that's the thing to take into consideration with these uh, cardinal energies just in general is that they are pivots. Like they pivot to the next thing. Solstice, like Capricorn cancer energies, these are like extreme pivots that take place. Um, and I think as Gray, as you're speaking, what kind of came to mind is this being a foreshadowing point actually for Jupiter Uranus. Because yeah. the sun is squaring Jupiter at mm -hmm. this point. We have, you know, Mars, Mercury. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a the bridging means, of the gaps. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the full means basically active translating between Jupiter and Uranus as Uranus is stationing. So it's it's definitely a you're right about that. Yeah. So actually, let's continue on to the new moon um, it, because there's going to be uh, like the hot spot in February to me is like after this new moon, we're going to have these Plutonian activations uh, and Venus and Mars. But the new moon is actually going to be in a square to mm. um, Uranus, right? Mm -hmm. So here we have this, uh, and this is nothing new. We've had some Aquarius new moons that have been, and Leo new moons that have been squaring Uranus in the last couple of years. Uh, but there, but because Jupiter is getting close there, we just had all these Earth trines. There is something to be said about the dynamic um, Uranian flavor. No, this is a really big deal. And I don't know if this is a good time to have us go more into the Jupiter-Uranus meeting. Um, but yeah, if you feel like... Jupiter-Uranus yeah, sure. will ultimately not come together until April. It's around April 20th, 20th. or so. Mm -hmm. But they're already within 11 degrees right here. They'll obviously be getting closer. And because Jupiter's moving ahead now, Jupiter moves faster than Uranus. So like, this is like, we're, we're Jupiter's moving direct and picking up some speed and we're, we're heading into it. But like you just said, we got a full moon in Leo followed by a new moon in Aquarius that are basically setting it off. The full moon yeah. squaring Jupiter, the new moon squaring Uranus. And it's also just timed with Uranus stationing direct. So I, yeah, I think the, the, Rick Tarnas, um, in his book, which traces, um, kind of like a, one of the one of the best chapters is sections is really on the Jupiter Uranus and all these 
incredible uh, research findings he has, which were based upon a 15 degree orb. So um, Jupiter is within that 15 Yeah. degree orb of Uranus here. Um, and so, you know, the idea of breakthroughs and innovations, um, you know, we can say that, but I think the thing with Jupiter Uranus is you have to also take in mind, like, how um, the the extreme, the extremity of when we're saying breakthroughs and innovations, they really have coincided with, with an, an entire reconceptualizations of reality. Um, if, we, if we even just think about what's one of the biggest ones that's happened, um, which Cosmos and Psyche is very much centered on, is the importance of the heliocentric revolution and things, um, people like Copernicus and then Kepler and Galileo Yeah. and, you know, us, us reconceptualizing, you know, how we fit into the entire universes and multiverses and everything else. And, and we're actually on a planet orbiting the sun uh, because Copernicus published his first work. Um, about this with the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction. Um, later on, Kepler with planetary, um, planetary laws of motion, um, Galileo with like the telescope, and K Kepler and Galileo come in on this later. Um, also on Jupiter-Uranus alignments, um, feeding into like the whole scientific um, revolution, right? And even like Isaac Newton coming with his ideas that the, the probably the most archetypal Um, I don't know, idea people have of Newton and like the falling apple, right? There's that story where like, Newton sees Mm -hmm. his apple falling. That was a, a apparently a Jupiter Uranus You're conjunction honest moment, time yeah. period. <laughs> And that that falling apple, I think, of Newton is a really um great example because obviously in terms of world events, people all around the world did not know that Isaac Newton just saw an apple fall from a tree. But how that sparks all these ideas. So there's there's a couple of things that can happen. One is that we have really big events. I mean, things like the United States uh, Revolution, um, as well as the French Revolution, they begin with um, Jupiter Uranus, like Patrick Henry going like, give me liberty, give me death, is like Jupiter Uranus. But And then there's also big like, you know, um, the Copernicus Revolution, Heliocentric Revolution, uh, Darwin later... Um, and Wallace published their paper um, on evolution, completely reconceptualizing things, also Jupiter-Uranus. But it's also things like people just like that Newton seeing an apple fall and these things that are, are later going to have these massive effects on the world. And that's the kind of stuff you're going to see in your own personal life, these, these smaller moments of um, inspiration and sort of epiphany that sort of take you out of where you were because if um one of my favorite writers about jupiter uranus is uh rude dane rudyard the astrologer and the way that he described it i always found really helpful for myself understanding it which is basically we're talking about jupiter saturn and their cycle which is you know going to be a big player this year that you know saturn is sort of um in a way providing that form And, um, you know, Jupiter's that, that growth and, and like life force, but Jupiter's going to tend to, you know, be alive and grow within that sort of skeletal structure that um, Saturn's providing, which there's, you know, there's some tension there and, and Jupiter might want, can't quite expand beyond. But what Uranus does is it really kind of opens up that Saturnian skeletal, you know, system of, of form, which obviously... 
recent years was already kind of has already been kind of shattered with the mm. and already hit with the Saturn Uranus squares. Mm -hmm. But we're moving out of that Saturn Uranus period into this Jupiter Uranus. This is where Jupiter Uranus really can stay stretch things beyond what people were able to conceptualize previously. And um, when we're talking about all the the AI and all these other things going on, um, it's really the kind of thing where, yeah, I mean, reality really can warp and change. And, um, yeah. you know, th even things like quantum quantum physics later comes in. There's really key developments to quantum physics, which is Jupiter-Uranus. Um, depth psychology, the unconscious, Freud publishing stuff on, on Jupiter-Uranus. Later on, people like Stanislav Grof, with uh, transpersonal psychology and James Hillman with archetypal psychology come in on Jupiter Uranus, which is all about, you know, the, the inner landscape of the unconscious and how mm -hmm. powerful that is. So there's all, which completely changes our conception, you know, modernist literature at the turn of the 20th century that was kind of inspired by that also Jupiter Uranus. Like it's just, it's always something that really comes in. And, and so we're already having some, you know, strikes and labor issues is certainly something else we could talk about. And that's already been happening this yeah. past year. But it's it's really kind of, I feel like when we're getting into this period here with this new moon, it's there's something where, where this Jupiter Uranus time period is sort of like really coming into focus here. Yeah, there's I mean, there's so much to what you said, Gray. And like the thing that sticks out immediately to me is when you're talking about like Newton's apple dropping and mm -hmm. what that sort of breakthrough or that understanding or that uh, birth of the innovation, um, how impactful that is that you might not see it in the moment, but how it really grows over time. Because one of the big things, and and I love all those examples with, with Jupiter and Uranus. Uh, and what we got to keep in mind with this particular Jupiter and Uranus, though, is the fact that, you know, what is awakened, what is the, you know, these breakthroughs and these totally new conceptual things is going to affect us physically. It's going to affect us in the real world. And we already seeing that with, with AI and innovation and the, in the job markets, et cetera. But what can happen, especially around this new moon, is that immediately my mind goes and thinks about the fact that the whole you know, Taurus Aquarius is not done because there's going to be an opening square to from Saturn to Pluto later. And so here we have this Jupiter in, you know, from Taurus to Aquarius. And so here we have this Jupiterian, uh, you know, aha in the expansion and the understanding of uh, what the progress or the evolution actually is. And then the form of Saturn comes much later. You know, you think about something being birth and like, this is just an idea, like Facebook. It was just an idea and it became this. And then it took over the world, like, you know, like how many years later? But so it takes time to manifest like that. But and so we could see something, especially in the news, that's like, oh, this, uh, you know, this totally new breakthrough or this new piece of technology or this, uh, you know, this is being proposed that can change, you know, how society functions, maybe monetarily uh, or in the in the job sphere or in the uh, the food realm, you know, uh, but it's just that beginning of it. So it's and then there's all the Pluto action that's about to come here, right, because we, you know, we definitely probably need to move on, but they're, <laughs> they're great. There's so much like mm, to this, this time period. 
Yeah. And I mean, just to give a one other example, what you're just just to kind of give some concrete examples of people who are not familiar with this, if you, especially by like Rick Tarnas at one point, I, I wrote these down because I was like, this is like a really great string of examples he gave. Of, these are all things that happen at success, not all right in a row, but basically um, going from one Jupiter-Uranus conjunction to another, skipping a few, but you know, like 1831, there's electromagnetic induction. 1844, the first uh, telegraph. 1879, mm -hmm. the electric light bulb. Which, I mean, electric light bulb is such a massive, massive change that it's hard for us to conceptualize now what that was. Um, 1920, first radio broadcast. 1927, first sound motion picture, first television transmission. Yeah. 1969, first internet transmission. And then the next opposition, 76, is when... um. Steve Jobs and, you know, Wozniak are doing like the first personal computer, but you can just see those examples. I mean, that's so much connected to that's huge. what's now really un underpinning the age of air. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's massive and we might not conceive this in the moment, but the, but the planets are in the works and yeah. uh, yeah. And especially during this period, we thought, you know, full steam ahead. There is like, there's, there's a lot of juice here. So, well, mark that time period, mark February 9th as the day the world changed now, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it is, it is big news. So let's continue on from this. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting further into Aquarius season. Uh, and this is actually when big shifts start to happen more in the Pluto zone, right? We're going to get Mars, Pluto conjunction yeah. uh so basically we're gonna get mars pluto starting february 13th mars pluto then we're gonna get venus pluto um yeah, so the other thing there is 16th yeah yeah mm -hmm. mars right before this new moon even you know mars and venus are already they're already coming together but then yeah they both go into Aquarius around the same time hitting Pluto. So that's really massive. Yeah. yeah. So that that's massive. And then basically on the 21st is when we actually get the uh, mm -hmm. Venus Mars conjunction uh, as gray has said already, you know, six degrees of uh, right. We got six degrees. They go over to seven. Um, uh, not exactly. It's right. Yeah. It's basically, if you round up, it's a seven degrees. I have it as okay. six degrees, 57 minutes. Okay, perfect. So I'm just to reiterate what Gray was saying earlier, how it's going to be exactly opposite the six degrees of uh, Mars going retrograde later in the year. Um, but, but think about this. We are in, you know, Venus and Mars are no stranger to Pluto. They have been hanging out in this realm for a, a little while here. And of course, that's probably why we're seeing the dynamics of uh, love and war that we are in the world uh, right now. But thinking about them making their conjunctions with Pluto before this conjunction is a little, a little heavy, a little, uh, <laughs> a little heavy, but also very, um, very dynamic and the uh, interpersonal relationships and, and collective relationships and how that's all going to be shifting or re-solidifying in some way based on some sort of like integrity hit or some sort of power play or some, you know, some sort of changing dynamic that is necessary or purification process mm. that goes on. Yeah, I mean... Always, is, I mean, this is, I'm not saying anything that's different than normal, but, you know, we always think about 
interpersonal relationships are always going to reflect collective events and stuff, but there is a a extremely powerful thing this year. If you just think about Mars, Venus and their cycle and what they mean, which definitely has to do with what you want in relationships, what you want, what's important to you with your values, right. To create with, to protect, to fight for, um, the, the two planets that are just on either side of us in our orbit around the sun, right? The inner planet, Venus, the outer planet, Mars on the other side Mm. of us. Um, that it's, it's, it's incredible how they're connected to all this, just with them coming together right on top of Pluto. So they're really sparking. What is this meaning of Pluto and Aquarius? Yeah. And then they're, they're squaring, Jupiter, which means they also start their beginning of their, their inception of their cycle is basically, you know, squaring Jupiter and then they each take turns squaring Uranus. So they, they also then get configured right into that coming Jupiter Uranus conjunction. So they're, they're so connected. And then they later come in, like I mentioned, well, in August, when we get to Jupiter Saturn square, they're right there in the, in the moment. So like they're, there's, it's the cycle is so connected to, um, these much larger um, sweeps of change that are coming through. Yeah, which brings it right down, right down to us, right? It brings it, it makes it personal. And one of the things we have to really take into consideration, and I think this is a good segue actually to talk about um, this other dynamic going on, which is Chiron on the North mm. Node. Uh, and thinking about the nodal access, right? We're still in nodal territory that has to do with Mars and Venus. So the fact that Mars and Venus is so interconnected to to Pluto, to Jupiter, to Uranus, to Saturn, you know, all these shifts um, speaks to just the eclipse energy that's going on. But mm-hmm. let's think about Chiron on the North Node. I mean, uh, any any initial thoughts come up with uh this configuration, because it's going to happen smack dab in the middle. Uh, the exact is February 19th, right before, right as all this Mars, Venus, Pluto action is going on. I think it it makes me think about there's no way, there's no way forward unless you've got to work with all the difficult, um, mm. you know, one of the things that we have, we, we kind of skipped over talking about Pluto at the end of Capricorn, but just as an example of something that now, a lot of people have been talking about it's the United States Pluto return. Yeah. So all the, like the worst um, atrocities and woundings and toxic issues connected with the history of the United States has all been resurfacing. Um, and I think Chiron is a is um, a centaur that. <laughs> really can show up in so many different ways to different people. And mm-hmm. I mean, one of the common terms is the wounded healer. And, and that and that is one way, um, but it can really show up in all sorts of ways. Um, and I think one of the ways is the most essential though, is, is that, is that orbital, the orbit, the orbit of Chiron that goes out to Uranus, you know, right. Mm-hmm. And it comes into Saturn and, and Aries Chiron's out, at its own south node it's also out at its own um it's a it's well it's heliocentric and geocentric south node as well as the farthest out coordinated orbits why it takes so long to go through aries it's out there you know in that uranian place and um it's it's, as far as outer space goes it's it's out more in the near the orbit of uranus than it is at other times um and I've always liked the way Melanie Reinhardt talks about 
uh, Chiron functioning as this sort of intermediary of like Kuiper Belt objects and sort of like Pluto as the ultimate lord of the Kuiper Belt and these these much vaster un places of they definitely we can all see how Pluto feeds into power dynamics, but it's so far out there and it's it's got something that has to do with these unconscious forces. Um, certainly things that are ancestral, not only your own personal ancestry, but collective ancestral, you know, things like where I, I just feel like all these things are, are going on in, in such massive ways. Um, um, like the intersectionality of all the history of all these different systems and forms of oppression and, and wounding. And, um, but also like there's something about Chiron that can help with, um, nurturing something heroic in in good ways in, in terms of taking courage and and taking your life to, to another level um chiron also can function as this this mentor of, of how to do that but i think and with the north node ultimately that's what we can do but we there's something that where you i feel like that um deeper layer of things you know we, we has to be worked through and and, yeah. and faced and um there's personal work. There's a lot of personal inner work that's that needs to be done along with whatever outer forms of work are happening, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a stirring of the pot with that and all the things that you brought up with the, um, you know, certain pains and wounds and, uh, you know, elongated storylines that are carried within this memory well, how do we move past it? I think about, I, I love what you're saying actually about Chiron being in more of its Uranian orbit area, which mm -hmm. Uranus is about this point of, uh, of waking up, of, of awakening and, and, um, making progress in some way. And I think about Chiron on, on a high level as being very, um, initiatory, mm -hmm. And so this, especially in Aries, you know, think about this, this point of the initiation of the self, despite what it's been through, despite where ancestrally it comes from, uh, you know, what are you going to do with your, your energy now to move forward and to evolve and to work past things despite what's been, uh, in, yeah. So it, it, and we got to keep in mind that Chiron is integral into the eclipse that's coming. So we're, I think we, let's put a pin in Chiron, um, yeah, it's, knowing, it's mm. knowing that there's something about this period that will then follow us into the eclipse. So we're going to cruise, we're going to cruise gray. Cause we got so, <laughs> yeah we got so much to talk about here. So, uh, basically the rest of, you know, the rest of, uh, Aquarius, that was pretty much Aquarius season in a nutshell. We're already in Pisces season, actually. Yeah, we're <laughs> Let's like talk Pisces. about this. We're already in Pisces. Yeah. Um, we are yeah. already in Pisces and of course so, we're going hmm. to, oh Yeah. I was going to say, say like, the, like, maybe you're about to say this, but that just that closing, the other thing that is just going on with which, which I think is interesting about that Mars Venus conjunction in Aquarius is just, you know, the, the domicile of Saturn. And we're basically, as we go into Pisces season, we're, mm. we're at the, we're at the end of a Saturn cycle. Yes. So it just, it just reemphasizes that idea where it's sort of talking about, about shedding and something's kind of ending, but there's something's new, like what's the new thing that's going to come in. And that's, the Pisces 
time is is begins with like the end of the Saturn cycle, the beginning of a Saturn cycle. Yeah, the end of the Saturn cycle that's emphasized by a full moon in Virgo mm-hmm. uh, before or like right as the Saturn cycle is mm-hmm. is dying. Um, and the fact that Mercury's there too and about to make a conjunction, superior conjunction with the sun, um, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually going to conjoin it's going to be Mercury. Talk about Saturn. We're going to have a Saturn Mercury Sun moment uh, right after that. Mm. Well, and then having that full moon in Virgo, which is ruled by Mercury. So basically, it's it's Saturn Mercury Sun territory from about February 24th until the end of February, which we get a leap year. Just FYI, we are in a leap year, so we get an extra day uh, <laughs> in in February. Uh, but on the 28th, we're going to have uh, Mercury. Mercury, Sun, Saturn. Uh, so the, so that's interesting to think about, the fact that the Sun-Saturn cycle starts with Mercury uh, hanging out right there, too. I, I mean, any th- quick thoughts on that, Gray? Yeah, could you even go one day forward to see the, the leap year day? I'm just curious what's... What's going um, on? Okay, on. so it's right after the cycle. Yeah, I mean, that's really f- kind of fascinating that the leap year comes in right on that with all yeah. the cycles coming and ending comes right in on the concept of time you know <laughs> about yeah. like saturn and like yeah so i mean not well i mean i think the thing about this time period uh, it's 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 not a whole lot different than a lot of things i feel like we were i was just i was just talking about um yeah except that you know when when the sun and saturn come together um and and, and for the sun for the Mercury and Saturn cycles to basically be ending and starting at the same time, it does put this great um, emphasis on the Pi- on Pisces. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's an and the the Venus Mars beginning, and, and you can see here they're moving into they're separating from Jupiter and starting to head into the Uranus. Uranus piece, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sort of. Um, I think just getting a lot more, trying to get more um, clarity, and um, on, on on one hand, he's like you'd you'd ideally want to take this more sobering, grounded, practical, clarified approach to thing, but but of course, you know, Mercury's moving towards neptune and and we're in yeah. the saturn neptune, but we're in place. the saturn neptune place, like that's and so um um. I think um, maybe if there's any way to get some um, imaginal clarity would would be helpful here. Um, And that sort of um, makes me think about, you know, moving beyond fears of what can happen and just trying to sharpen your, you know, imaginal senses and ability to really envision what's possible um, and and what's truly possible. yeah, that, well, especially you can really have some pragmatic approaches to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and paired with the fact that Jupiter and Uranus are getting closer together and Jupiter is ruling this area, it kind of adds emphasis to that uh, understanding and breakthrough that might be coming in, in those areas. So, uh, yeah. So I, th- I think it's going to be a very informative 
uh, moments, uh, especially in the Pisces area of your chart and with uh, just your relationship with Saturn. If anybody has planets that are around that, those areas, especially in the squares, this is kind of probably going to be a dynamic per perceptive moment that starts a whole new cycle of, uh, of form um, and boundary and, uh, you know, endeavor, but also, you know, limitation. Um, realizing limitations, but I, th I feel like we're actually in a really creative, we're in the most creative place we could possibly be when we understand our limitations, because that's the difficulty of, that's the difficulty of Neptune, right? You know, mm. you think about like all these choices and what I can fantasize and it'd be that and be that. But if it's, you're like, you know what, that doesn't work. That has hard lines. You, that's not, you know, then all of a sudden you actually can be in your most creative state because options are ruled out. And mm -hmm. it's not all, con you know, conceivable. And it actually gets really practical there. So kind of wondering if they're, because that's actually the apex of the Mercury cycle, right? You know, I think about the superior conjunction is like Mercury's collected all its information. It's got everything it needs. Uh, so how does Saturn come in and be like, all right, well, here's the new cycle. And so this, this is where, this is where the buck stops here. Work with this. Cause that's the, that's your yeah, best no, option. This is definitely a link into, um, some forethinking and forethought available um, under the water and mm. in 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 mm -hmm. under the water related to what's going to take shape over the next few years. Because, yeah, we get the Mercury cycle starting kind of with Saturn. So Mercury is like picking up the Saturn, being reborn, and then heading straight to Neptune. So we we, we get a connection here. Um, yeah. That's definitely going to be important. And it, so, it is nice, at least, that there's a sextile. Um, you can see here as we're moving yeah, into this. Yeah, to Jupiter. Like, with Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's could be worse. No, Yeah, I think no, I think it's, <laughs> it could, it it's could be worse. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not, it's not um, bad. It, it bridges a, a workable gap uh, yeah. between these two, you know, the practicality and the imagination. Like, I think that I think this is a wonderful um, piece to consider, especially with all, everything else that's going on, you know, in, in, in the hotbed of other transits. It's like we have this piece to work with. So let's go on and move on to so March. We're going to have our, uh, you know, in Pisces, we'll have our new moon in Pisces, which actually will be sextiling Uranus, which is helpful in, you know, leading us into Jupiter Uranus there. Uh, of course, we're going to get Sun Neptune will happen. Um, sun's basically, well, that's kind of the thing too, sun meeting Saturn, then the sun meeting, uh, Neptune on, um, the March 17th, obviously the sun's bridging the gap of like the continual Saturn Neptune story. Um, we also have Mercury meeting the North node. So we're going to start to have North node conjunctions beyond Chiron, uh, but I really want to just bring us to the Aries ingress because there's so much to talk about Aries season that I think that we should just kind of get there. And so let's let's enter spring. Spring has arrived, Gray. It's March 19th, 2024, and it's 11.06 p.m. in Washington where this chart is set. So we have our Aries ingress chart uh, set for Washington, D.C. with a Scorpio rising. This is reminiscent of uh, some years past where we had a Scorpio rising um, for the entire year, which means it's a fixed chart, at least for the United States, uh, because we have a fixed rising. So um, Mars right on the... I see there Jupiter, right? Yeah. Jupiter, Uranus, right on the descendant thoughts. 
Well, you know, I just thought of something, something I'd looked up with Jupiter Uranus. Um, let me see where I had that written down just so that I can see the actual date of it. Because there's um, a thing with the Jupiter Uranus cycle where it will end up coming back around after so many emanations to a similar spot. Um, and it kind of moves, moves by degree when this happens. And so there were previously, um, in 1941, for example, there was a Jupiter-Uranus conjunction in Taurus, like 26, it's kind of sort of similar. And in uh, 1858, there was a Jupiter-Uranus conjunction at the very end of Taurus. Um, and in 1858, when there was a Jupiter-Uranus conjunction at the end of Taurus, Neptune was also in Pisces, about 25 degrees of Pisces, so fairly similar. There was this Neptune and Pisces sextile. And around the time, ballpark time of this happening is when um, Abraham Lincoln was running for the Senate, and he gave this very famous speech called um, A House Divided. And the mm -hmm. way that that speech began was a house divided against itself cannot stand. And I believe this government um, cannot endure permanently, you know, half slave and half free. And um, so this is obviously before he became the president and is before the Civil War. But, you know, one of the things we talk about in the United States and what's going on right now is how um, polarized a lot of things mm -hmm. are and divisive. Mm -hmm. And this definitely is just looking at it. It, it does kind of echo to me that sort of idea of a house divided um, just with there's conflict at home, obviously, the, the ruler of uh, the yes. ascendant, which is sort mm -hmm. of like the people. Um, it's Mars right on the IC. Mars is extremely angular, but so is Jupiter Uranus. Uranus. Mm -hmm. And so this this definitely shows, you know, the United States being really caught up in, in this Jupiter Uranus time period in like massive ways or something, obviously, with our foreign relations, which are really important. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things that kind of that, yeah, that idea of like things. And then, you know, the, the people because Uranus was in Gemini when uh, the Civil War happened and Neptune was in Aries. That's something people bring up um, as, you know, concerned about the United States in the years ahead, which um, I don't necessarily know. I believe that in terms of, I guess it depends what you mean by that, um, by a civil war. Um, certainly, though, we, we can see that there's lots of divisiveness and there's different states kind of moving in different directions with what they think the laws should be. And around abortion, that's a huge thing right now. Um, and so this just really shows like how the, the conflict of that. But it also shows, you know, with Jupiter Uranus, we've already had strikes in the United States this past year. It does show this Jupiter Uranus thing coming into you that that's going to be really. It, it shows it being really a big deal here, which which means that we can probably expect lots of big ways of change moving yeah. through the country in ways we may not fully understand right now. Which I think that really piggybacks off this, you know, Moon and Leo separating from Pluto too, um, and this the d dynamic of Pluto and Aquarius, and you know, the people being that Moon, and, you know, in in Leo too, which is more of a, you know, more about me. <laughs> what about what about me in relation to, uh, you know, the structures and the systems and the reform that's needed in, mm -hmm. you know, that's Aquarius is this place of, uh, you know, reform, and so I think having 
the moon uh, opposing Pluto or coming off that opposition really speaks to the tension that is there. Uh, and coming off of a trine of the sun too, I mean, this, this sun is sextile Pluto. So there is sort of this luminary energy that is like working through Pluto. Um, the sun's coming towards it. The, you know, the, the, the people in power are coming towards it. The, the people are leaving it. And so, okay. So there could be something that happens really big, especially with the aspects that we've mm. seen right before the, uh, Aries ingress that then is followed up by like, okay, well, where, does where does the the power lie what's the you know yeah um, and also what we mentioned before the um that leo falling in january kind of being configured to stuff um because mm. you can see it returning here with yes not the exactly. same degree but it still is a mean in leo opposite pluto which again is sort of also foreshadowing that later mars retrograde station at like six right that will oppose pluto so uh -huh. we, we have there's like a few things where that kind of keeps getting hit where we kind of know this is a big deal yeah yeah well and to speak to what you were saying too about like reproductive rights um and maybe women's issues mm. etc here we have because venus has been in some precarious situations for uh, the aries ingresses past yeah and so once again she is in configuration to saturn but uh, but she's exalted this time, you know, and she's at, so there's, she's in a better condition. She's still with Saturn, but they're friends, right? They, they can kind of work together here. But, um, I mean, any thoughts about Venus, Saturn in a fifth house, at least by whole signs, but the whole sign chart, that's the case. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I want to be more positive about <laughs> abortion and reproductive rights and, um, I don't, I don't, and, but I'm also not, I guess it's expert at mundane astrology as far as tracking that issue yeah. through time. And, and this might, maybe there's something, I mean, on the, as a, on the, just looking at it, that looks hard, of course, Venus hitting Saturn, but, um, you know, the thing about Venus and Saturn though, I guess just to kind of step out of that thing with like mundane current events, there might be some hard stuff around that, but I think just if you think about personally, you know, Venus and Saturn can really create beautiful forms of art together you know where, where you have that like constraint and thing of saturn like you're showing here there is a mutual reception with um jupiter um that's taking place where venus is in the sign of jupiter and jupiter's in the sign of venus and they're coming into a sextile so you know maybe there is maybe there's something there where um that jupiter coming in with uranus is like um helping to, you know, revolutionize and, um, yeah. and, and help break Venus out of that, um, the, the harsher constraints of Saturn. So I, I mean, it, it, it could go that way. Yeah. I mean, certainly this seems to indicate some kind of big waves of movements and stuff happening with the United States for sure. With yeah. Jupiter, Uranus, so angular. Yeah. So that's, so that's what, you know, just a kind of a quick summary of what, what's going on in the ingress chart for the year. Um, definitely some dynamics, but let's continue into, uh, Aries season just in general, because it is probably, uh, April just in general. It's a hot spot. It's the hot spot <laughs> or one of them of 2024. So, yeah, this Ooh. when we when we hit the Aries equinox and moving into this whole Aries time, this is when this is yeah, the astrology gets very um disruptive, hectic, volatile, things are really charged, stuff's gonna be 
happening. There's, that's something to kind of be ready for. Be um, ready. Be ready, people, because this yeah. is this is this is where the, the movement is. Um, and obviously, things are going to probably uh, really kick off with uh, March 25th. We have a lunar eclipse in Libra. Um, with that, and that's I mean that's going to be ruled by that Venus Saturn action, and uh, and then Venus is still in that mutual reception with Jupiter, so there is that back and forth um, there. But we're we're having that culmination of you know we had our solar eclipse in Libra back in the fall, which was very you know Libra season and a Scorpio season in 2023, and Gray and I had talked about this <laughs> in our previous forecasts in the initial initial one and our recap during the spring or the summer that 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 was the hot spot period 2023 and people definitely felt it so mm. here we're having the the lunar eclipse not the same lunar eclipse version of that per se but um there is this illumination of that libra and that venus component um and jupiter and uranus getting closer and closer together with Venus configured there. Uh, and then Mars also being in Pisces now. So that, that, you know, everybody kind of going on to, uh, Jupiter's, there's some Jupiter team. There's like a ping pong action between Jupiter and Venus's mutual reception basically going on as far as like just planetary rulership is concerned. Um, so any, any thoughts you wanted to share on this? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, one of the main things is is was it obviously being the the eclipse, like you're saying, and there's the Venus Saturn moving in with you know moving with Jupiter and Uranus to Neptune, but there is the also the Mars Saturn, and so I had written down. Hopefully, this is correct. That it's basically March 22nd to April 30th is, I believe, the the time period of a little over a month where Mars is in Pisces along with Saturn mm. and Neptune. So this is one of the things where um, I think one of the things that's been really emphasized in astrology since 2020 when we had Mars going to Capricorn and sending off that whole Saturn-Pluto dynamic is, is um, and we've, we've seen in other previous years before that, but um, how difficult, you know, Mars-Saturn can be and Mars, Mars, Saturn is another one of the great cycles of astrology that astrologers look at, but it's usually what people are looking at for in terms of like the problems and what's the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so it is interesting. It, it, it makes me think back to uh, 2022 when we had the um, Jupiter Neptune conjunction in Pisces, which was really exciting, but it coincided with Mars and Saturn being together in Aquarius. And mm -hmm. this year, it's like that we have the Jupiter Uranus and Taurus, which can get really can get excited about the possibility, but it's coinciding with Mars and Saturn and Pisces. And then it's Mars and Saturn and Neptune and Pisces. So I think some of the water issues and, and some of the more difficult issues connected with Saturn, Neptune are going to be coming in during this, play this, here. this month. Yeah. Yeah. While at the same time we're getting, and I'm remembering then that Mars is ruling the solar eclipse. Um, and Mars is one of the nodal rulers. So it's going to, it's, and it, it's starting here, you know, by March 20, Mars has just recently gotten into Pisces. So it'll be building, but we'll already be starting to feel like what's this Mars, Mars, Saturn issue that we're going to be dealing with starting to come up here. So it almost feels like to me, actually, that this this uh, this particular Libra eclipse isn't um, too hairy 
but it's almost, but it's almost like, it's like maybe the sweet spot before mm. things start to <laughs> kind of, uh, hit the fan, um, well, a little bit. Yeah. Too, that it's in the home, the domicile of Venus and the exaltation of Saturn and that they're, you know, so close together. Yeah. Yeah. There's really something about this. That's really emphasizing this Mars, Saturn, Venus, Neptune dynamic. And then also we're like basically, a, which I'm sure you're about to say, but we're also Mercury's in Aries, sign of Mars, yeah. and Mercury's slowing down here, but a week later it goes retrograde. Yeah, you know, I think so, around April 2nd or so. It's actually, uh, technically it's April 1st, which I thought okay. was really funny just because it's April Fool's Day. And so I'm like, what? <laughs> There'll be extra, extra fools out with Mercury mm. stationing on... Um, on April, April Fool's Day. Uh, but there's something to be said for what Gray's talking That's about right. here because, yeah. you know, we are in the uh, eclipse vortex, as as they call it. And the whole time we got a slowing Mercury that then goes to station and then Mercury is going to be retrograde during some serious planetary action, which has happened before. Um, I don't think it was last year, but maybe the year before that we had uh, during eclipse season. God, was it when eclipses were happening? And I can't remember if it was Taurus, Scorpio, or Gemini, Sag. But there was a, a hot spot eclipse season that was happening while Mercury was retrograde the entire time. Um, but this is this is that first taste, right, of, of a full fire retrograde in Aries. Why we're about to have an eclipse. I mean, look at the sun getting close to the north node there uh chiron mars and saturn getting closer and closer uh, i'm yeah, just gonna and jupiter and Uranus are getting about three degrees away too so yeah that's they're really, really close so this so... is yeah this is a get i mean there's going to be probably some issues and things you just got to deal with that are not necessarily going to be pleasant during this mercury retrograde but it also you know with any time of great difficulty in the world or even if you're facing stuff yourself um I guess one of the things that makes me think of is is with that Jupiter Uranus simultaneously coming together, that can be you know great agents of change. You know, like yes. necessity being the mother of invention, yes. and that it it can just coincide with like what's just kind of part of like pushing you to this the next place, right? And where you're going. Yeah. Go. Well, and so the first thing that comes to mind for me, Gray, is just thinking back to that uh, kind of like the quandary of the spirit. And, you know, maybe there are a lot of things happening in the world, a lot of things happening around you, but there's this internal process going on about like, okay, well, who am I? Where am I going? What do I want out of life? This is, what do I need to change within my physical world? You know, think about Jupiter, Uranus, like if you want to like kind of, um, you know, put destruct something that is very fixed in your life that's not working on a, like a for a spiritual angle. This is the time when you start to feel that hot that hot spot of um, action versus reaction versus no action, <laughs> and where you know. And then in the Chiron story there. I've obviously like if you're watching the video, I have fast forwarded us to April eighth, where our total solar eclipse is going to happen because I feel like we should spend some some time here in the interest of saving time um because I know Gray and I we'd love to talk for the first like four <laughs> months five months and all of a sudden we, we have to speed read through the yeah. rest of the year so um yeah I think the fact that Mercury's retrograde in Aries fire 
while Mars Saturn, like you said, because it will bring up the difficulty, it will bring up, but also the whole new cycle of uh, what are, you know, what are you, what are you doing? What's your, what's your plan? Mm -hmm. What are you, where are you putting your energy? What that's also breeding here too. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I, and I, I kind of want to just not even talk about, I mean, with mundane events could be some difficult things and we definitely could also see, um, you know, it's a Jupiter Uranus time, which can be oftentimes these big emancipatory liber liberating movements coming in saturn pisces is not necessarily great for authority figures saturn neptune often brings down authority systems so sun and exaltates close to its exaltation degree getting eclipsed definitely we could see some leaders falling or then, celebrities yeah. or difficult or, or so but and on a personal level one of the things i was just starting to think about is you know we're talking a lot about what do you want to create what do you want to give birth to and, um, you know, have, I have not had the experience of, of having a, um, a human life in my body and, uh, giving birth, giving birth to a child, but, um, I've only been in the room when that's happened and, and was able to, you know, uh, be the person catching, you know, catching. My, two, my, my two daughters <laughs> got to be the uh, person, uh, receiving the, the, end of the world yeah receive, yeah <laughs> being the, the receiver of them um and but honestly it's it's a it's a you know life-threatening even experience um, for a woman to give to give birth it's it's in um that that that, that idea of like birth and the, the you know the constriction and and but then giving birth this form and then how that changes your your life um mm irrevocably and the the level of um responsibility and accountability you know you have to step into which i just think has something to do with you know mars and saturn this is like the only way i can well, i can positively reframe some of this stuff is just like thinking about that like what are you wanting to give birth to you know you're gonna have to take responsibility you, you have to step up to be you know the per the per person you know you want your your child to have as their parental figure and and so there's i think there's something metaphorical or symbolic about this in a way um i don't yeah. know I just, it's well, just something i just started thinking about no i love i love that i mean that really just that that first breath of life and thinking about that aries that just that aries energy and and just thinking about mars saturn together and the fact that that whole you know two-year cycle is ruled by essentially the Jupiter Uranus conjunction, uh, you know, since it's in Pisces, there's, there's something really dynamic about the two coming together there and this being infused into the eclipse. Like I can feel, I like, to me, I feel like this six month, like just the generic six month period, of course, you know, depending on the time of the eclipse and how long it eclipses tells us the length of the eclipse affects itself. But if we were just to, you know, throw the generic of the six months until the next eclipse cycle, like I feel like we can see some definite like radical shifts, radical changes all over the the board. And especially in our personal lives. Like if you've been waiting to make that move or start this thing or become this or sell that or leave that or, you know, like this is <laughs> to me, this is this is where the risk, the risk of the birth takes place and you yeah. have to let go of things mm -hmm. and leave things behind in the Pisces fashion. Um, and the real world shakes up 
and, and crumbles, but also has new momentum and progress with the Jupiter and Uranus. But um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a duality. Totally. Yeah, and I didn't, I'm realizing I didn't speak this, but when I was thinking about the the giving birth to, you know, a child is, is that it's also, it, it, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, not just that, but just <laughs> yeah. how it changes your life. You know, you're, you're, you, you can no longer do, um, whatever you want to, you know, the way that changes your life and, um, the exhaustion and, but, but it's like, it's, it's to this purpose. It's, 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 there is like this actual higher purpose of what you are then nurturing. And it's what mm. makes that all the sacrifices that are part of that. Yeah. So, so meaningful. And then, um, you know, in my life, we were speaking, I mean, I mean, I'm, I've been working of, uh, I've never been a full-time professional astrologer. Um, and I've always had a full-time job that I've been working, which is, which is actually connected back to, um, uh, helping to give birth to those two daughters of mine and, and yeah. always feeling like I, um, need to be having a full-time job to make more money. And, but I am actually right now, um, ending that job so at the beginning of the new year um i'm going to become a full-time astrologer so for when, when i just when i just think of myself as an example i'm looking at this and i have a pisces 10th house and you know to actually then to leave one career become your own run your own um you know for example with astrology being a full-time astrologer there's so much work involved in that and responsibility you have to take and so there, there's a sort of thing here where i think there's there's a lot of change coming but there's also like you got to put in, you're going to have to put in work and, um, accountability, kind of stand up for what you, um, want to see happen, but it's not, it's like, it's, it's like I'm saying, it's, in, it's involving a lot of work and effort and sacrifice yeah. and that sort of thing. Which you'll have mixed feelings about because it's Pisces. <laughs> and so there's, it's not like it's a strong Mars. It's like, okay, we're going to do this. It's like, this is, this is the first time, uh, in a you know, handful of years that we had Mars, Saturn meet not in Saturn's domicile. So there is that too, where not to say that it lessens the Mars Saturn uh, energy, but um, it, it has a, it has a different component in it. You know, the hard work is in service to the, the growth is in service to the Jupiter Uranus piece. Um, so we're just going to show up. We're going to show up when we can. We're going to show up when we feel like it. We're going to learn to rest when we need to, because I, I think that's a big component of, you know, of being effective in this world, like, especially with all the Aries, like eclipse energy It's like, you know, come in hot, burst in, do it. But it's like, it's like a, you don't want to be a flash in the pan with your big dream. You gotta, you gotta pace yourself. Um, mm. so that's, yeah, there's, mm. there's that momentum. So we're going to move on, Gray, because we got lots to talk about yeah. here. So I'm just going to kind of cycle through. Um, and yeah. as I say things, uh, Gray, if there's something that you're can, just, you just interject. Speak. I think that's yeah. a great idea just to move into the next thing. Yeah. So I mean, one thing that's happening, I could say mm -hmm. of, about that, it's, that's happening here is uh, Venus is hitting that 15 degree separation from the sun around here. So oh, she'll yeah. still be visible, but if we're going to use traditional under the beams, she's like kind of going into it around. And that's going to be something where we go through this long extended thing that's, you know, it's not till Gemini time that she hits that conjunction with the sun. And then it's later when she's in Leo that she'll come out and be visible again. But we're going to, we're kind of moving into, um, Venus going into the, um, disappearing here and, yeah. 
So uh, yeah, put her put her, her in a pin. Time, no, she's at the same changing. time Mercury <laughs> is in the underworld, and like you're showing her about yeah. to be regenerated so, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So basically, we 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 reach Mars, Saturn, and then we meet. Um, you know, the Mercury Kazemi, inferior Kazemi, uh, on April 11th. Um, yeah. So there's just a lot and then the moon is going really, you know, that whole time, right. Yeah. After the eclipse, the moon goes over Jupiter, Uranus for the last time yeah. before it separates, like you like that eclipse, the first couple of days, it's like, wow, uh, things are happening. And I think that really mm -hmm. just adds to the potency of what you were just saying too, gray about Venus starting her next, you know, a whole elongated endeavor, especially since she is part of the whole eclipse story. Um, yeah. yeah. So that that's big. And speaking of Venus, you know, she's going to go on, she's going to conjunct the North node on the, in mid uh, April. And then mm -hmm. of course we make it to the 20th when we have Jupiter Uranus, um, which we've talked a great deal about, I don't know if you want to go into it any further or if there's anything you would like to well, the one add. Other, yeah, there's the one thing I thought we could mention, and if you have anything on this, is just to think about, I mean, I, I threw out and needed to like big historical events, but what we can often see too is that there can be a successive, you know, we go from one to the other. So the other one was back in 2010, 2011. It was at the end of Pisces. <laughs> It was at the beginning of Aries. So there could be something now that in your personal life is um, coming up again. I know for myself, actually, what's what's interesting about me becoming a full-time astrologer now was that last conjunction was a time period where I was um, making a lot more. I was really, it was a period of, of me putting a lot more steps into starting to do more astrology readings and I went to like my first um, conference soon after that conjunction and like, um, like um, I was kind of like more entering, becoming like, I'm going to start being an astrologer um, at the last one. And, and you know, this one, I'm going to actually be like fully stepping into that. Um, but if, if just some, I just looked up, I was like, well, what were some of the things that happened at the last one? So, um, you know, the social media, things like Instagram and Kickstarter came up then that's when the ipad was released and you know you think the ipad does facilitate a lot of like artistic creative work um in interesting ways um in 2011 even i think siri <laughs> was like um announced and came out and there were some other things like um the first truly synthetic organism and a molecular robot created from DNA also came out around that time. And some things where you can sort of see how like that would be kind of thematically lining up with like AI. There were like 3D camcorders that came out and things that didn't totally catch on. But, you know, when we talk about now and like virtual reality things coming in, we can see how those things came are coming in more. Like there was a Google driverless car, electric charge, car charging stations, an idea of like road embedded rechargers, um, you know, things where like, um, and but probably the most massive thing is one of the most massive things when we're talking about like things really catching fire was like literally the Arab string, which is somebody like lighting themselves on fire and completely changing the whole face of things in ways that nobody could have known. So that uh, the Arab spring being something that you, I don't know if we'll have something that, Oh, and again, but these are the types of things I mentioned too, like the American United States Revolution, the French Revolution, 
previous alignments, but the last alignment was the Arab Spring. It also kind of fit into when we had the Occupy Wall Street movement was sort of like right as that new cycle is beginning. So, yeah, just a, you know, you can think back to 2010, 2011 as um, another element of this, because that was the last time they came together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the only research that I have like before me was actually research that I did on Jupiter Uranus um, in uh, 1858 when they actually Oh, cool. met in Taurus Yeah. uh, to get some Taurus flavor, Taurus flavor vibes. I think one of the most entertaining aspects of that was actually, uh, that's when uh, um, Borden Inc. was founded, which is a primary dairy and food distributor. And they uh, ended up creating Elmer's
like uh, movement of religion within paired with business. <laughs> and so that people uh, could take the time out of their work to um, have like this religious <laughs> sort of, and even built this massive following. It's just, yeah. So there's lots of things to, uh, there's to another share one that, that year, uh, this is just really quick was would be the Darwin and Wallace publishing that theory of mm. evolution, which I think when we're talking about how yeah. that one speaks to me in terms of in 1858, like we mentioned before, the other key thing about that was not only was it at the end of Taurus, but Neptune was actually in Pisces in a fairly similar degree. So there is something interesting when you just bring up that religion, like in the case of Darwin, it was actually really countering a lot of these like religious narratives about the way things are, um, you know, with, with a theory of evolution that starts shifting people's perspectives. But at the same time, and, and there could be big things going on like that that are really obvious in Cosmos and Psyche, Rick Tarnas um, mentions an important point being that in 1858, people didn't actually, when when Darwin announces this, it, it wasn't really, people didn't fully recognize how important it was at the time. I mean, it, be, it obviously became a huge thing, but it wasn't so obvious right then in the moment. Um, but it's like this <laughs> this thing coming in that's going to start changing everything. Yeah. Well, and that just goes back to the same there, themes yeah. we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. And so that that's yeah. actually really a, a point to drive home here, I think, Ray, is to think about mm -hmm. the what happens in 2024 and its impact on a larger scale in the future. Um, so maybe don't, I mean, obviously things will be happening this year. But there's a big impact where it's like, uh, you know, look behind the scenes, look at the foreshadowing, look at the because we'll we'll see it um, much later on. So, all right. Well, we should probably yeah we keep can, this train we, 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 a we rolling. Yeah, we'll keep this train a rolling. Bring my notes back here. Got so many different screens up. Jump to the next. I don't know if you want to do the next full moon, but yeah, or just jump so, even past that if you want. I mean, um, yeah. Let's uh, let me get back on my my schedule. Let me get back on my schedule here. Oh, we did have yeah. Well, that's interesting with the full moon. We'll just touch on it. We'll just touch real quick. Just a couple days later, because we're still in eclipse zone, right? Like we got to mm -hmm. think about that. Let's get through our full moon with the eclipse cycle. And this is this is significant because it's going to be a full moon in uh, Scorpio and it's going to be squaring Pluto. Right. We get another hit of uh, Pluto and Aquarius during this um, time period. We also got Mars ruling this full moon in sandwich between Saturn and Neptune. Yeah. So <clears throat> so this could also be foreshadowing in the sense of um there will be a dynamic new moon that's going to be coming uh, in Scorpio later in the year. And there's also um, the obviously the eclipse that's going to light up Neptune here, too. So and we know Scorpio full moons are always they always hand they always hand us something. <laughs> yeah. So. And the other thing is um, about a week. So you can see that full moon separating from the square with Pluto and Aquarius, which is really big. And it's, you know, it's kind of heading to the Jupiter Uranus and the, and it's, it's interesting that it's really connecting every, a lot of stuff. It's connecting the Pluto and Aquarius. It's then trining the Saturn Pisces stuff. And then it's like going to oppose the Jupiter Uranus, but it, I might be wrong on the date. Cause I'm realizing that some of these dates, I wrote a forecast for a 
Regnota Press that's a, in the United Kingdom. And so I know some of my dates are actually uh, set for England instead of Eastern <laughs> time zone. But around May 2nd, May 1st, maybe Pluto stations retrograde. And I, I think that's just the other big thing to mention. And that's, you know, roughly a little bit over a week later after this full moon. So there is something where um, Pluto's about to go retrograde here. Um, yeah. We're kind of, we're at the outer, that's as far as Pluto's really going to go into Aquarius and um, this full moon like hits it, you know? Um, so that's, that's significant. Yeah. So, okay. So we're reaching... And we've left the like all systems go with obviously Mercury going retrograde, but here we get the, the next retrograde of an elongated retrograde, right? So that's not just like a quick sort of Mercury thing. Um, and obviously Jupiter Pluto is very important in the astrology of this year and the fact this full moon lights it up right before it goes uh, retrograde on the 2nd, on May uh, 2nd there. And so... Let's go. So we're in we're in Taurus season now. Um, Mars Mars basically dances with Neptune, and then we have basically almost simultaneously we have Mars and Venus both in domicile uh, at the beginning mm. of May. So we got you know Mars is going to do its its Aries transit, which is going to be impactful, obviously, because Mars is going to during May it's going to conjunct the solar eclipse point. Uh, essentially around May 19th through the 26th is sort of like the, that hot spot of activation for various reasons. Um, and then we have Venus in her sign doing her thing. We also have, that's when uh, May 3rd is when Neptune enters 29 degrees Pisces uh, mm. and is sitting there. So now we get this flavor of the anoretic Neptune that's coming into um view uh, a couple days later venus essentially becomes combust at that time uh with her getting close enough to the sun um where she is yeah. officially <laughs> officially yeah, putting on her sunscreen <laughs> and getting ready yeah so this this that's a nice place to start because I, I was going to say that i would just jump ahead to where, where you went which is basically like this new moon that's coming in but even this dark moon, waning moon here is interesting with, like here's mentioning, Venus is disappearing, going combust, and then here comes the dark moon. So, um, but at the same time, you know, we have Jupiter, Uranus still starting their cycle, and then also, you know, the sun is also close, the Jupiter cycle is also coming to an end where with, you know, Jupiter setting, and in the invisibility and, and Jupiter also going combust. And so there's, we, we yeah, yeah, it's just, um, but the new moon that comes right after this, there is, um, it's very close to the Jupiter Uranus and, um, Get that up. yeah, this is definitely a, a, a big, another big like inception moment of the year here. Yeah, so May 7th, we're going to have that Jupiter, uh, Jupiter, Uranus, Sun, Moon, Venus party all in uh, Taurus there. Um, and so it does it does put a hyper hyper focalized, uh, you know, energy onto the Taurus area of your chart and all the dynamic, you know, twists and turns and shifts and in growing pains out of uh and growing pleasures i guess we could say with venus there too um 
that are that are taking place uh So yeah, this, you know, and then Mercury is back to, it's about to leave its shadow at this point too. So that, so it's sort of like encapsulates a time period that, you know, that time period that we just went through is ending. This new one is beginning as new moons tend to do, but this does it in like kind of a, a different, you know, different sort of chapter. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so... We are, you know, it's not going to be as dynamic. Well, I don't want to say that. Who knows? The things are dynamic in people's lives for different reasons. But it's, we are leaving, we have left that April territory. And, um, well, no, that's not, I'm retracting, retracting, retract. Because uh, <laughs> I just got to take us, I got to take us over to Mars. I think Mars, I think this is going to be yeah, very then we also significant. Have Mars coming to the north that we Mars coming to the north, north node, node and on yeah. the 18th yeah and so I think yeah. that's why I had this whole period and then the moon um opposing it so we get uh we basically get moon Mars nodal uh, and so Jupiter, action. the Jupiter cycle is um is, being reanimated yes, and yes. seated right here too so Jupiter's dying and being reborn right as Mars comes in, in there so this yeah. could, I mean, there's some, yeah, it could be some shaky stuff in the world. I mean, I mean I'm curious if people in the, because I'm, I'm not an economic astrologer, there's probably, I'm imagining something significant about this time period, and it may not be necessarily favorable. I don't know. But I can, I can only think about it on, in personal ways, and that's that um, I think the strength of Mars coming to the North Node with Chiron still in the vicinity is is, again, really stuff we've already been talking about like putting an, a premium on like what do you really want to be doing and creating you know directionality with your life and getting more focused and you know excited about that and then jupiter is being like reanimated at the same time so there's like this what's this new what's like the um the the underlying vision you know and um it's not just like blind, like I'm just going to go after and make this happen. Like what's the, the deeper vision to direct that Mars, Mars North node. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, well, and we'd get that Jupiter. Did we get, no, cause the last, uh, sun, sun Jupiter was in Aries, obviously. Uh, so here Venus we Uranus time too. I guess we didn't mention that. I know. So like yeah. Venus Uranus too. They're so all that, together. A real, yeah, it's 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 powerful. It's powerful in just relation to the the Jupiter Sun Jupiter synodic cycle, right? Because that mm -hmm. is essentially what this whole cycle is birthed under. Is this Venus Uranus action? It being close to Jupiter and the Sun, Mars on the North Node. So just think about that not in the terms of just this particular moment on, you know, May 18th and the last bit of May, but for the entire year of, you know, Sun-Jupiter-related action. It's under this very dynamic, which speaks to the, speaks back to, Gray, actually, the birth, <laughs> like mm. the manifestation quality and probably why you keep drawing the magician <laughs> in your life. Is that, but it also uh, makes me think that that's close to the degree of... um. Well, it's definitely in the, the vicinity of the of the stars in the Pleiades. Um, Star mm -hmm. Alcyon or Alcyon is like very beginning of Gemini, but um, you know the Pleiades sometimes are associated with like blindness and losing your vision, but they're also connected to like deep vision and and um, 
relations with spirits and being able to see on a, you know, maybe one type of vision is um, brought down to, to, to accentuate this other vision of seeing much more um, deeper in some ways into these like underlying um, and more invisible, more seemingly invisible to most people um, dynamics and, Yeah, there's something about that that um, I think is interesting with it also being Venus, Uranus, just like, you know, in Venus and Jupiter, they're coming together, but we can't see them. They're invisible. Um, but even though there's this invisibility going on here, there's there's a really deep visioning that's available to um, to really to get to. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, not all growth is happens in the light. <laughs> there's a there's something to be said about the receptive nature of um, a, a quiet expansion. I don't think it'll be that quiet, but I mean, a lot of the what we go through on the internal plane is just is just as dynamic, if not more dynamic, to how it's realized. So. Let us go on actually to, Yeah. we got big, we got big moves. We got big moves closing out May. Um, and as we leave, uh, go into Gemini season, uh, we have Jupiter moving into Gemini on May 25th. So yeah, there is obviously this is going to be a big shift. Uh, we got Jupiter moving into its, uh, it's technically its sign of detriment. It's going to be in Mercury's sign. So Jupiter uh, is not necessarily, uh, you know, traditionally at home in this place, but it still does Jupiter things just in, just in Mercury's sign. Um, Yeah, and, and Jupiter does like being in air signs. And so that's I true. know people, <laughs> some people get down on Jupiter and Gemini, but it's not actually like Jupiter literally has nothing going for it. And Taurus, there's nothing about, unless you know there's a section of the bounds that Jupiter has, but otherwise Yeah. Jupiter, there's nothing Jupiter has of any form of essential dignity in Taurus. And Jupiter does rule the first decan of Gemini and the entire sign is an air element, which Jupiter likes. Yeah. So So that's great. I think I there's mean, actually like there's something there's to work there's with. <laughs> there is I mean more so I feel like than than uh theoretically than in Taurus even like um just out of a sense of dignity getting gaining some triplicity is 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 a real thing and um now it is it does mean Jupiter's in a domicile of Mercury and so all of Mercury's movements Yeah. and I know. going retrograde and <laughs> all of that it's going to you affect know Jupiterian it, it comes uh, in things. Yeah. but I think you know I just if you're just Being really strict on essential dignity, I mean, Jupiter Gemini has, and it's like Jupiter and Virgo, which you know is is the Earth element, and as well as its um, opposite home. Gemini having that triplicity, and in the first decan, I think it's it's something. Yeah, Um, it's it's more well suited for this area than other other areas. and the Even fact that we're with Pluto's in Aquarius, right? So we get the the trine the Pluto with trine. Pluto coming Mm right -hmm. away, and and the emphasis on the air signs. Um, there, there, there is a, there's a Gemini quality here. That's really important that comes in. And, and I mean, I think that with Jupiter and in, in, in Gemini, you know, you just got to kind of watch the, like getting too displaced and dispersed and too much all over the, all over the the shop place. of Yeah. too many ideas and, in and, um, you know, um, but there's, there's, um, Yeah. I it, have, it goes so well with technological innovation it does. It and does. new creative literary ideas and, and, or 
potential creative movements that um there's definitely a, i think a lot that, that can come out with this this jupiter yeah. and gemini period yeah i i found it interesting last time we had jupiter and gemini uh we uh the the popularity of of MOOCs, massive open online courses uh was growing mm. during this period so platforms like coursera uh udacity um edx uh basically all these online course, you know, they were free mm. offerings from universities and institutions, but we've seen like the boom of online education that's happened in the last 12 years. Um, so thinking about the next level, especially when we're, th we're thinking about, you know, things like primary education and, um, like the initiative, like during that time of when Jupiter was last in Gemini too, of, um, uh, digital learning and how they were trying to upgrade, mm -hmm. needed to upgrade the technology in the school systems to kind of keep up, especially now that we're in the air age. So there'll probably be innovations with maybe adding like AI dynamics and all mm -hmm. these other uh, aspects to the educational experience, especially on a more um, primary level. Uh, there was also the time, the last Jupiter uh, in Gemini, when uh, a bunch of countries started to emphasize uh, the STEM education, which is a focus on science, technology, engineering, and mathematics to make sure that kids were being um, uh, taught, obviously foreshadowing mm -hmm. what is continually more and more important. Not to say that it's rightfully so that that's more and more important, but it has become the world that we live in. Um, and then uh same with even back in 1965, because 1965, as we go into, I've been looking back there because that is the last time we had Jupiter in Gemini and also squaring Saturn in Pisces. Um, uh, actually, in a really long span of history, it's not a very common thing. Uh, but there was also themes that in 1965, too, about... Um, elementary and secondary education act that uh, helped get federal funding and educational opportunities for disadvantaged students, you know, students that were in need. And same with the higher education act uh, that happened then too, that was actually the start of the creating grants and loan programs for, to make college more accessible uh, to people. Um, and even the Head Start program, which was launched during this period, uh, which was part of the, you know, the to, to provide early childhood education um, and health and nutrition and parental involvement services to low income families uh, and, and children, which is to me is very Gemini Pisces dynamic. So those are, and I think those are all wonderful things that came out of Jupiter and Jupiter Saturn, you know, squaring off. Um, so those are just some, some shares. Yeah, that's great. And and then the, the other thing is just to think in very general, it's, it's going to take a bit for Jupiter actually square Saturn, not to like. Yes. It's not August. right out the gate. <laughs> but there we start getting that whole sign square from the tropical zodiac as well as even with neptune i mean that's and then jupiter neptune square does not come into effect completely this year but because jupiter only gets up to be like 20 or so gemini but um that's something too so there, there's yeah the 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 way we have the saturn neptune closing down and, and jupiter going into the sign squaring it it just it starts creating a lot of dynamic 
um, more dynamic tension there, I guess. Yeah, and where between I would, the mutable. And with a trying to Pluto and Aquarius and being in this age that Gemini is very part of, like I, I would definitely expect, like you're describing, there are lots of um, innovations, especially because as, as you're about to show, it's also the Gemini um, Venus. So, so Venus coming in with her um, superior conjunction in Gemini, which very beautifully, um, as you're showing here, for people that are watching the video, is also lining up with Mercury and going Jupiter. into Gemini and combining with Jupiter. And we're also, you know, Venus is is invisible, sort of in the underworld, being regenerated by the sun. But Jupiter here is starting to become visible. So mm. there is... Um, and, and then we're coming into like a new moon in Gemini, which is going to be a really important moment here too. So, um, yeah, this is, this is to me, one of the, the big things about this, uh, this quarter of the year is, is this, uh, Gemini, Gemini time period here. So we have this big kind of hyper Taurus period. And then we move into this big hyper Gemini. Oh, I know it's like hyper period. Aries, hyper Taurus, hyper, yeah. you know, like, but it's all square Saturn, um, is the other thing. And then, yes. you know, then they'll all move from squaring Saturn into Neptune. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 um, there's definitely something you're, it's not just like do whatever you want, Gemini completely free form. Um, no. you've, you've, there's a Saturn resistance and constraint and tension that has to be met. Um, and I think there's something about Gemini, you know, when we're talking about Saturn, Neptune in general, you can see here, they're getting to be about 11 degree. They're getting closer to about as close as they get this year. Um, but they're coming into like an 11, 10 degree range here. Um, so many things, you know, dissolving people's beliefs, changing, and people maybe being more unclear with boundaries about what's real, what's not real, and who even knows the technological inventions and changes that happened between now and this time period. But I, I do, yeah, this new moon coming in at the same time we have a new Venus cycle starting. Um, I I actually like this. Um, in terms of um, the the Gemini ability, I guess, just to be really um, not just curious, but um, able to be flexible as needed, able to take different sources of information, different types of things happening, um, and you know, synthesize things together, find some kind of mixture, you know problem solve as needed, you know, be open to the change of direction that's needed. Um, I guess that side of Gemini, that sort of crafty, you know, real cunning, um, this real cunningness of Gemini um, is going to be, is going to be needed here. Well, I think this actually just illustrates the, the time of year based on everything that's happened with the eclipses, Jupiter and Uranus, et cetera, where we need that flexibility. We need that flexibility of the mind and the possibilities within, once again, the 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 constraints um, and the paths that get blocked off versus the options that are still available. And then how do you get clever within all that? Uh, and especially with Mercury and Jupiter having just been configured and uh, Mercury being, um, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not 
that far from the sun. So it's not, it's in domicile. So it's not the best mercury, but it's not the worst mercury. And so it feels like there's just something to work with perceptually as far as just getting a grasp on, um, you know, where, where things are going and the ideas you have and the, the possibilities. Uh, so it'll be mercurial in nature. Um, and it'll be, a lot of things might be thrown our way, but, uh, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like it. I'm starting to really feel that Gemini. We're going to start to really feel that Jupiter and Gemini start to take place, which is going to be a totally different vibe. It's going to be a totally yeah, different vibe. And, it, and it's worth saying if you have Gemini, significant things. Yes. Gemini in your chart, um, this is just a massive um, place of, of, of um, developments and changes. Not star needed here to combined with the new moon yeah just yeah really so really so really people yeah so i'm in mix yeah my internet was getting all weird i think hopefully it's stabilized out oh give it a couple Hmm. seconds well i could hear you the whole time you can hear me yeah uh mercury knew we were talking about it and (laughs) all right yeah i can hear you i mean i I hear you, but yeah, the, the your, thing that your video right is frozen. This, if, if you need a figure. Oh. Oh, now. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> you said, oh, oh, yeah. Well, hopefully it, that's the case. It's it's like it's it's bringing um, you I, in I like pictures. See, you're, you're not up for me, but. Yeah, you're like coming in like still frames. Okay. Where <laughs> It's actually really funny. <laughs> you'll have a, a one face and then you'll turn to the next one and the next one. Oh wait, I you're slowly piecing back. All right, well we'll just help it. It fixes itself as long as we can hear each other fine. Um, I think you're peering. Your people are peering behind the curtain of my 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 Gemini multi. Like <laughs> the Gemini multiplicity. Myself. Yeah, it's just coming in. So I, I think the thing that happens. I don't know if you're about to say that. Yeah. Is uh, Mars going into Taurus to square Pluto? Yes. So Mars squaring Pluto around June 11th, um, give or take, uh, while we have a super Gemini party going on. Um, Yeah. So that will obviously be a dynamic moment uh, in the Pluto story and in the Mars story, in the world stage story, in the how we take all those ideas and how that manifests <laughs> in the actual uh, enacting of them in the real world and changes that need to be made. Um, so that will be a hot spot. I do want to just sort of like, I'm just, I'm just going to rock it forward basically gray to like get us to some, yeah, some more of like the really meaty stuff. Great. Um, so I'm just going to, yeah. So we're going to have a full moon in Capricorn. Uh, Where we go here. Next thing I see here is full moon in Capricorn uh, right near the solstice. So we kind of go into uh, summer in the northern hemisphere. Yeah, we get get that kind of solstice with a with a with that that full moon energy. Uh, And then not too long after. There's basically two. There's Mm -hmm. two full moons in Capricorn, right? So that's a big thing too, because um, we get that early Capricorn full moon. I'm pretty there? sure. Then we'll, 
I think so. Um, Do the next one just so I don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I miss 20, that. 29. How yeah. did I miss that? Which this one. This one. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so, really close to Pluto. So, I mean, you it, can see that well, we're heading. It's, yeah. By, it's by the, the sun end of Pluto. Yeah, the end of Cancer ends with this full moon conjunct Pluto, but but we can't get here too quick. Capricorn. Yeah, yeah. So just know that like we're in Cancer time, but there's two Capricorn full moons, so there's a big um, the Capricorn part of your chart really gets the beginning yeah. and the end of it get really um get get impacted here. Yeah, and you might uh, think back not to this past year, but in 2022, no, 2021, we had uh two back-to-back -back Aquarius uh, full moons with that same energy. And it really, it really does bring that area of your life home. Like it, it starts a new, it starts mm -hmm. a chapter. It culminates the start of a chapter and then it culminates the end of a chapter. Um, so definitely prepare for that. But basically we're going to have uh, June is closed out with Saturn uh, having stationed retrograde on the 29th there um and neptune also stations retrograde on july 2nd so we have more stations taking place you know at mm -hmm. this point we have saturn neptune pluto um i think that might be it but still that's a lot that's a lot of planets uh going retrograde here we have our new moon in Cancer uh, on July 5th that you see on the screen here. And so that will be dynamic, obviously, because this is our, our turning point with eclipse seasons. Once again, we have that, uh, that new moon um, pivot point of eclipse energies happening. Um, That's and also it's happening. Be with... um, oh, mm -hmm. Sorry. I was, was going to say, say Neptune stationing retrograde basically is like right before right that. Before so it, yeah. You mentioned um, Saturn's at the end of June and then because um, they're, they're kind of in this getting close to each other. So we're getting this thing now where Saturn and the Saturn and Neptune stations are not too far away from each other. So end of June, Saturn stations, beginning of July, Neptune stations. And you mean there's there's a there's going to be big Saturn Neptune themes yeah. of Pisces that really come in right here with this new moon. Yeah. Yeah. And this new moon, it's also um it's also configured to Saturn and Mars both loosely, but well, not that loose. So in in a flowing dynamic. So I, you know, there's something to be said about this entire lunar cycle, right? Because it is encapsulated between those full moons in Capricorn. And we're about to have a lot of dynamic action take place in just July in general. July has definitely some, some hotspot moments when it comes to the Pluto, when it comes to the Pluto piece, uh, right? Because on, let's keep cycling through here. Yeah. On July 12th, we've got uh, Venus moving into Leo, and she is going to oppose Pluto then. So she's at her halfway point after her and Mars met earlier uh, in the year there. She's not quite out of her her relationship with the sun yet. Um, but, uh, but, but at 10 degrees, um, in some locations, she might be she might be visible yeah. around here. But yeah. We're um, it's very interesting to, to to me that yeah we're kind of entering that possibility of that happening 
with the opposition to Pluto, but definitely while she's in Leo, she'll become visible. So it's a really interesting um, sort of reflection back like to this back to, past mm -hmm. year of Venus retrograde at next year exactly. this year we, we get her like coming out as an evening star again in leo so yeah she's so back in leo yeah she's got a different relationship mm -hmm. than Le to leo than she did before uh and really mid-july has some sort of explosive energy when it comes to mars venus dynamics because we have venus and pluto mm -hmm. meeting on the 12th of july and then a few days later on the 15th we have uh mars making the conjunction to uranus yeah um, which is Similar place, not too far away from where the Jupiter Uranus took place. Uh -huh. um, and, I, and there was that new moon back there when we were talking before. So there's, yeah, something interesting about that. Yeah. And then the fact that we're basically getting to a few days later on the 21st, we're going to have that uh, full moon at 29 degrees of uh, Capricorn, mm -hmm. which is, uh, as we know, is the hot spot with the sun Pluto action before it's already, there's many reasons why this degree is hyper focalized. And so to think about the time period between, you know, July 5th and, uh, July 21st, and then the Venus Mars dynamics and, and Pluto, the sun about to oppose Pluto the day afterwards, um, when it moves into Leo so it's interesting, both the Aquarius ingresses and the Leo ingresses, how they have these, you know, now we're getting these Pluto dynamics going on. Um, so there, it just kind of might be a little crunchy out there with just dynamics changing, uh, things that are out of your control, things that are liberating and awakening, how that affects our dynamics with uh, ourselves and each other and obviously the world sphere and how how people are relating out there. So uh, I definitely think it's going to be a little bit of a hot spot this year, that mid, mid July zone. Grace, like, yeah, sounds good. Sounds um, good. Yep. <laughs> sounds good. Crows and up. Uh, so then we actually have a few days later on my mom's birthday, July 26, Chiron is stationing retrograde. So we have another mm. retrograde happening here. Um, and then we're going to go into uh, basically August, and we've got a yeah. new moon. Um, I guess one thing I say about that, just because I mm -hmm. it's being self-centered in an Aries way, but if you like me, <laughs> I have like I got like a twenty-two degree uh, power on Aries, but but you know people we're going th people like me going through a Chiron return, or maybe you just have something else at a cardinal sign. Yeah, that's just something to be aware of, like that twenty-three and a half degrees on the cardinal signs like Chiron kind of pinging that that's as far as we're going this time yeah and coming back so coming back yeah that is true it's like that's the thing about when planets retrograde in a year especially the outers is that's that's the farthest reach <laughs> it tends to get for the year so now we've got we've got a new moon in uh mm. Leo uh that will be happening on August for our fourth we also I, I love this one because um, you like just, this one yeah well, just, yeah because of um what i really <laughs> like is the venus she's definitely visible at this point she's a uh, near regulus and so it's a really interesting um you know thinking about what happened this past summer with whatever was going on with you in the venus retrograde this is like this new moon and leo comes in with you know and right as we come into the the, the new moon you know, she'll be passing, basically passing over the place where she went retrograde last year, but 
not you know freshly visible as a evening star so i i like this in terms of like um there's a sextile that yeah that uh jupiter like you're showing there mars jupiter together in gemini can actually be pretty i think potentially dynamic um then now they are squaring right on my that's my mars return okay cool yeah and, and they are the, the, it's on my jupiter the new moon's on my jupiter i'm like okay bookmark hmm. so that's my selfish comment <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the, the difficult part is the you know we, we got the mars saturn you know with the jupiter saturn square coming in I don't want to hear that, it's Gray. Don't it's tell got me that mars part. mars uh saturn at the same time and then also you know i'm sure you're about to show this but mercury's <laughs> mercury's basically going retrograde right here yeah. so this new moon um i love the venus there but but Yeah. then but we go right into the retrograde Literally um the same day. yeah And then Mercury is retrograde. And this is the one that we get a hybrid record retrograde where it's going to start in Virgo. Uh, is domicile there and it will go back into leo um during its its period of retrograde from i think august 4th um until august 28th so basically all the, the majority of august mercury is retrograde uh but there's a lot of stuff happening in august uh as far as just planetary action especially with mars and jupiter so which is important to bring home because obviously if there's action with mars and jupiter who's ruling mars and jupiter now what like what you were saying earlier gray is like now it's whatever Mercury mercury retrograde. is doing so we got mercury retrograde basically taking the uh taking the wheel of the dynamics that we're about to see so we have mars conjuncting jupiter on the uh 14th which is interesting because it's uh what did i have down here we have the moon and sag opposing it and Mm. basically we have a t-square between the moon saturn mars and jupiter all on august 14th mars then squares saturn on the 15th uh we have the mercury sun inferior kazemi a few days later on the 18th Uh, the same day that Venus makes a T-square with Jupiter and Saturn Mm. Yeah. and Yeah, Mars. just keep it there Yeah. for a moment cuz Yeah. like this is a this <laughs> is and this Jupiter, is the thing. Saturn. This is big. Yeah, and then And this is the the part full that's moon in squaring Uranus. I'm just throwing it all out there, Gray. Go for it. Yeah. And the filming Yeah. square Uranus. Yeah, that's um <laughs> yeah. interesting. Um Yeah. Well, I wanted to mention the part about the Mercury retrograde is that, yeah, you're right that Mercury goes retrograde and and we could think about, oh, that's really, that's so, that's too bad because, you know, we're, we're coming right into the Jupiter-Saturn square here with Mars. But what I do like is that when, right as the Jupiter-Saturn square is taking effect, um, we have the Mercury-Kazemi. So hopefully that can really help. I mean, you can see there is like a, Yeah. problem there there is something to work out we have venus opposite saturn we have mars and jupiter together squaring them mercury's ruling venus mercury's ruling uh mars and uh jupiter but be be going through that reanimation and that reseeding of the whole cycle and there can be clarity that's gained at
Um, Especially with the Uranus that, involved too. It's like, there's a lot going on here. Mm. And there's something, I mean, it, it's actually really close to the the degree of um, Alphard, which, which is in the Hydra. It's like the heart of the Hydra, great dragon serpent constellation. It's, it's close to where Venus went retrograde. Um, I mean, that, and one thing about that constellation and Alphard, it's it's connecting with Venus, Saturn stars, and some of the older texts, um, like Anonymous three seventy nine, does mention like this idea of like wisdom and being sort of like this priest of the stars in a way. Like, I I feel like there is something here in this like Leo way towards the end of Leo, like to just because this is something where Mercury and fear conjunctions they're always just about what's going on during the retrograde, and maybe we tend to think about that operating on this smaller scale of time, but this is actually, this is a Mercury and fear conjunction where um, there's this deeper wisdom available about larger sections of time and mm. that we're coming into this, the opening square of this new Saturn Jupiter cycle um, that, and, and we can see how the Mars and Venus cycle, they're coming into their opening square and it's just configured right on top of each other. Yeah. There's, there's something, there's a big intersection here of like personal and collective big cycles of, of change and things and, and something to really kind of, um, yeah, this is a moment. Stock of, yeah, definitely. This mm -hmm. is definitely a moment. Um, especially with the, I mean, the conjunction just happening in, the heart of this the sun right it's going to come mm -hmm. everything is going to come back to a solar moment essentially here which can be very powerful um uh, the term you know it change change your mind change your reality comes to <laughs> comes to life in my head right now where sometimes the biggest things that happen is just like a shift in perception uh where maybe maybe you do have that essential download or just that understanding of of self and creation and um how your life is move, moving forward at this dynamic period of time and how that involves yourself and everybody that you're related to and your relationship with the world like there's just and what's awakening i mean it's all in the square to uranus why we have yeah. uh, a full moon um in this you know social versus kind of personal energies aquarius and leo and then the material aspect of the of uranus that's getting closer and closer to taurus i mean this is the farthest it's been 27 degrees of taurus like there's um yeah, there's a lot of energy here. Honestly, it, it's it would be one of my top picks for like impactful moments of 2024 is looking at essentially August 14th through August 19th. Um, and if you're in a Mercury perfection year, mm. <laughs> get ready. Yeah, it's definitely that's a it's a big moment there. It's a big, big full moment. Moon, big full moon. Big full moon. So all right, well. We've said we said all we can say, so we'll just continue on. Yeah, I think Mercury. we can jump ahead there. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna Mercury's gonna go direct on August twenty eighth. Mm -hmm. uh, Venus will be getting to the end of Virgo, opposing Neptune. So she's gonna mm -hmm. oppose Neptune at some anoretic degrees we got going on here, uh, with some twenty nine degrees, which is always hey, you know, maybe this is maybe she takes a breather, maybe she. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but right here is like where you're about to go, like when she, because she's about to go into Libra. And I think Yeah. there is a nice, um, so there's obviously as we come into that, you know, she's opposite Neptune. Mars is coming to square Neptune and Mars is still squaring Neptune when she goes into Libra. But, Yeah. you know, Mercury's gone direct. Uh, Venus goes into Libra. Um, and I, I like this. this period here just because like we yeah we just came like we were talking about there's a real intensity we were just in and not that that's going to go away here but i like Yeah. the movement of mercury going direct venus going into libra mars is moving away from jupiter um moving away from saturn um it's getting a little bit of distance from them um yeah it's and so hopefully So this can this can kind of come in with some nice A, a nice uh, a nice recovery and and or continued development with with whatever you've been working on here. Well, and then this another thing that's happening during this time too is that's that's big. So it's maybe we're easing into what we've just experienced, right, with the Neptune action because we have Uranus going uh, retrograde Oh, on that's right. I forgot September about that. first, and then we also Yeah, have Pluto <laughs> moving back that's. into Capricorn on September first Yeah, too. yeah. So. The Uranus stationing on September 1st is definitely, yeah, that kind of Yeah, that wild so card it, element. it, yeah, you're not going to have the the best reprieve ever, but Yeah, maybe but it could be exciting there. though, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes when there's a lot going on in life, maybe we just need to like back to the flexibility and the ability to like to kind of like ease into, okay, this is what's happening. And Neptune might soften it or spiritualize it a little bit uh, with the Venus Mars component, even though there's still very dynamic things that are happening and shifts taking place. Um, Yeah. And, and the, the other thing is that, um, like I would say this one compared to other years, I mean, a lot of people can probably remember, Oh, you're on a stationing retrograde. That's, but recent years, that's been a pretty harsh transit because it's Uranus has been mixed up on all kinds of things Yeah. and maybe I'm missing it, but I'm not really, there's not really difficult aspects with the worst thing you can come up with is Mercury's station direct to come into square Uranus, but I'm not, honestly Yeah. worried about that Well, that all that much it's we'll it's probably um get there's there's most of it in the full moon. Like that will be sort of the moment, the, yeah the highlight of what we say. But the actual station itself um, might not be. yeah it's trining it's trining pluto it's sextile neptune um it's yeah there's there's um it's at least not making there's no like well mercury uranus is something for sure but that can also Yeah. be real catalyzing of some growth and excitement Well, and especially too in uh, the closing down of a lunar cycle about Yeah. to seed in Mercury. So we're going to have a new moon, basically, that Mm hmm is configured to Mercury squaring Uranus, Mm um, hmm where we get to chew over Uranus and what just happened. <laughs> like, so, so there's that. I think one of the things um, as we go into September's astrology... which now I'm, I'm, I'm finding that I'm segueing out of seasons and doing more months and that might make sense. So that Yeah, we're, that's we're fine. there. We're Yeah, there. Uh, we can we can pick up the yeah. pace So, moving through this period. yeah, yeah. So there's, I mean, there's still things going, there's just things going on all the time. So basically we have that, um, we have a new moon that is going to be opposite Saturn uh, on September 2nd, right after we had these shifts of Uranus and Pluto take place. Uh, I think that it is important to note too though the kind of venus and what she's 
right after that new moon, we have, um, so we sort of have a Venus moment where the moon mm -hmm. meets the South node. Venus is on mm -hmm. the South node. Mm -hmm. And so she's going to cross the South node for the last time in Libra. Mm -hmm. I think, I believe. Um, yes, yeah, I think that's so. the I case. Think you're right about that. Uh, we also have another dynamic aspect of uh, Mars moving into Cancer around this time, uh, September fourth, uh, which we're gonna we're gonna be getting used to Mars in Cancer and Leo. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna be as dynamic or like dramatic as like when Mars went retrograde in Gemini, where it moved into Gemini and didn't leave Gemini for seven months. We do get flavors of Cancer and Leo together. Um, but there is something to be said about it starting to get into the territory of what will be the retrograde here. Uh, we also have a, a few days later, um, we get some sun, we get some sun activations of Jupiter, Saturn. So the sun, uh, will come to oppose Saturn and mm -hmm. square Jupiter mm -hmm. from about the 8th through the 12th of September. Mm -hmm. And that will, um, that will definitely illuminate some of the themes of Jupiter Saturn on you know the world stage, but also in our in our own lives and back to this maybe flexibility component and how the actual you know the the earthly realm moves and morphs and mutates around whatever's changing with the Jupiter Saturn dynamic. Um, definitely, and what's helpful about this time period, I'd say too, is that Mercury's come back into Virgo. Now Mercury's, you know, moving fast, yes. direct, no longer retrograde. Um, so we get Mercury coming back in, um, which will be, I think that that'll be really helpful at yeah. this time, and that, that's going to be good helping out with like problem solving and, but also this could be a real yeah. I'm using this again to just kind of like open up some expansion about like, you know, what what what's the meaning of this opening square between Jupiter and Saturn and and um. With your, with your whatever you've been working on and developing yeah there's um yeah so i like it i like that mercury is back in uh back in virgo about to complete the shadow phase it's done its duty mm -hmm. uh now it'll be effective and ready to go so we start that... getting the trine too with venus and jupiter that starts coming in here too mm. i guess there's something else yeah yeah i do like that i do like that I'm going to fast forward to sure. our um, do, 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 our lunar eclipse. So September 17th, uh, we are going to have a lunar eclipse sandwiched between Saturn and Uranus, which Gray was, uh, or not Uranus, Saturn and Neptune. Saturn and Neptune, yeah. Which Gray was uh, talking about earlier here. Um which is kind of fascinating to think about back to our Jupiter Mercury story, right? Because uh, we've got Jupiter and Mercury sign Mercury uh, essentially mm -hmm. strong in its, in its element, kind of like taking it, Mercury is focalizing all the energy there itself. I mean, Venus is off doing its own thing, which we'll talk about here in a second, but what are your uh what are your thoughts on this uh this eclipse? Um especially with Mercury being so strong and kind of bookending or not bookending it, but you know, gravitizing it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really big deal. And I think there's just gonna be 
um, these much larger issues in the world that are going on related to Saturn and Neptune that'll probably really be coming out here. Um, and uh, personally, though, I feel like um, this connection with a lot of the stuff we've already been been talking about about yeah honestly for like sort of like the, the themes of the year and Culminate. um um there'll definitely be a lot of um information coming in here um related to that opening square between you know jupiter and saturn and where you are with that and and Mix. um this neptune piece that's that's really emphasized especially yeah, it makes me think um it makes me think back to what we were talking about earlier about like the dynamic of water uh and the waterways mm -hmm. and water issues and yeah, actually having mercury having mercury squaring Jupiter and then mercury being in this highly practical position of problem solving um it makes me wonder if there will be certain things that might come out at this time uh, whether it's technology or just new ideas or even bring things more into awareness of how can we help, how can we be of service to, how can we, um, you know, uh, just use our mental faculties and the resources to create, to show some compassion, <laughs> you know, whether it's for aquatic creatures, for the water itself, or getting people the water that they need or dealing with these larger issues, um, or just be the beginning of that. Sometimes it could be just like a, when a, when a group or a foundation comes together and you're forming something that's going to take care of something later, you know, continuing on these themes of, uh, what we do today impacts tomorrow, uh, um, dynamic. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I think with Saturn, Neptune and how there can be disillusionment with that um talked about this last year but it definitely goes really well with the salutio um phase of alchemy the way that's talked about in a more psychological when people apply like alchemy to psychology and um just that, that salutio of things be, like being dissolved and but ultimately a solution can emerge mm. um you know out of that as things start you know, just, just looking at, I mean, if you, you, there might be just things about your, the, the dream you have for the world or, or what you really want to be doing that needs to be looked at, reshaped. Um, I think there's just, there's this information coming in about that. What's working, um, what's not working. You want to keep doing more of this and you're really excited about it, or you kind of realize, oh, um, I want to do less of this and more of that. And um, hopefully there can be some good, though, also imaginal, creative um, things coming out of this instead of it just being, you know, like negative eclipse, Saturn-Neptune stuff. Yeah. Because Saturn-Neptune I mean... can be extremely creative and especially in Pisces. And um, so hopefully there can also be some real some you know there's always like negative eclipse stories positive eclipse stories so well which reminds me yeah right well it to me this speaks of sort of like being in that that duality of life again too where there's like there's this but there's also that <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and um 
But I, I had re uh, forgot that I had some Jupiter Saturn things to share. Um, mm. But uh, I'm going to share some of the light sided ones to bring in the imaginal thing of what you're talking about, because essentially we are seeing uh, this is a lead up of a full uh, of an eclipse that does tap into uh, Saturn Jupiter before it eclipses. Right. And, so, and the fact that, the, you know, the nodes haven't gone into, you know, this is like, yeah, yeah. I guess we haven't spoken the fact this is starting the Pisces Virgo. Exactly. Yeah. This is, this is that, a hint. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of set. Yeah. It's, so it is really, it's setting something in motion here. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And some people will, I, you know, look back to your life of in November of uh, 2021 when we had that first uh, eclipse in Taurus before mm. we had the, you know, our, and and everybody is like, oh, this dynamic thing happened, and then it all, you know, all played out within the actual when the nodes got in there, and then the time to come. But there is usually something dynamic that can happen within this access first. That is the foreshadowing or kicks things off. Uh, but just some, you know, fun facts of Jupiter, Saturn, uh, Gemini, in Gemini and Pisces in the square is. Uh, Actually, Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan, uh, during that square, he was uh, he was booed by the crowds at the Newport Folk Festival because it was the oh, first cool. time he performed with an electric guitar and basically created folk rock. Uh, and so here we see this pushing forward of the, you know, creative space and new ideas. And I think he's a Gemini and he's a Gemini. I'm pretty sure he's a Gemini. Yeah, he's a Gemini. Um, and, that, and that's a good example, too, <laughs> just that early 60s of... um not just Dylan um, sort of revolutionizing folk in that way, um, but just music in general, there's so much creative. Yeah. Well, he's pushing the boundaries, right? And that's, so that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We have new ideas, new, new uh, experimentations that push, push the boundary. Mm -hmm. It's actually the time when he also uh, released uh, like a Rolling Stone came out mm -hmm. during the Jupiter Saturn square. Um, also uh, same on the, the Jupiter Saturn square, like the day after it, uh, Otis Redding recorded, um, respect with the song respect, which I mean, obviously we know by Aretha Franklin and her, her rendition of it, but it's just such a, um, it, it's just, it will be interesting to see like creatively what comes out during this time period because, of it's just the quality, the parrot quality <clears throat> of Gemini and what could be created to which we would be able to sing and chant and like, you know, for time afterwards. Uh, so I thought, like I thought a, those were like little a rolling, Like a Rolling Stone feels apropos. Very fitting, doesn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very fitting. So, all right. Let's go back to our notes here. Let me go. Do, 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 do. Gosh, where where are we? Right. Okay, we're in mid September. Yeah, I mean, we think. I mean, and the sun will pose. The sun will pose Neptune, but we're basically going into the next quarter of the year. I mean, yes. I don't know if there's anything. And else we're in eclipse season. Like that's yeah. that's happening oh, yeah. here. Yeah, starts up. Yeah, <laughs> so we get this weird like um like you mentioned the thing to remember. More recent memory would be. Um, what November of 2021, where we get um, the first of a, a Taurus lunar eclipse happening, but there were, was still um, the nodes and the. I guess was that a solar 
No, it was a lunar. And, uh, oh, no, I'm thinking in, um, it was in Sagittarius that came in around that time, too. So there, I'm Oh, just saying yeah, there's, after there's still it. like Mm the -hmm. mixture of um, Yeah, the two mixture signs. of signs. So, so we get the first. So we, we've already got a um, Aries Libra eclipse story happening for you. Yeah. And we're, we're heading towards a another um, we're heading towards a Libra solar eclipse, which we'll probably show in a moment. But we Yes. before we get there, we get the Pisces, the new Pisces Virgo eclipse. narrative Yeah. starts up with a Pisces lunar eclipse and then we're in between eclipses going to the Libra Libra Yes. eclipse yeah Yes. So we are... about to exit we're about to exit virgo season and move into uh the libra equinox here which i am just going to pull up that real quick just because i want to um emphasize how that time of the year and that ingress because even though you know in the united states we have a fixed aries ingress with the scorpio rising you know other places in the world might not have that And so there's always the dynamic to the ingress charts of the seasons. And I think it's very um, I, interesting is not the word, but I'm going to use it anyways. I think it's very interesting uh, that the Libra season starts with Venus squaring Pluto at the Yeah. final 29 degrees Um, and the, that's the thing here too, is like Venus is going to, is squaring Pluto in this ingress. Uh, the sun is going to square Pluto. And these, these are the final movements and activations of this 29 degree Capricorn placement. And this line, this uh,
that there's who you can even vote for. There's not going to be like anyone even probably. Gonna, it's like your the choice isn't really like what's going to make you excited probably, but about anything, any particular direction. But it's like there are like really big issues. And we were talking about justice and like there are some things that are like this, this, there's a, there can, it just makes me think of just like this plutonic intensity of like, um, what you think is fair and, and just, and just the, um, intensity of that as we, as we head into this, this, um, election. Yeah, it's, um, let me go ahead and select my speaker. We've got to the point in the broadcast, Gray, where we've been talking so long that I lost my, <laughs> I lost my. Yeah, <laughs> and I guess to be specific about that, one of the things it does that definitely make me think about is, is abortion, abortion rates, and and how um, we can we've seen even if it doesn't seem like it matters who's the president, it, it can in terms of um, who they're appointed to the Supreme Court, and you know how that led into what happened with the the Supreme Court decision related to abortion. So. Um, yeah, that, that's just the kind of thing I'm thinking of with that. Hmm. Let me go. All right. I'm just messing with my, uh, messing with my, does my sound sound okay? I know we're it in does the... right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, it does. Yeah. Okay. There we go. I think, yeah, sorry. Just, uh, just had to re redo some technology, had to have a mercury retrograde moment right there. Um, <laughs> so there we go. Now I'm back on the screen. All right. Yeah, I think that, well, that could, that's going to be a hot button issue as people, uh, you know, debate on the stage of, yeah. So I think you're, you're right. You're right on there. Um, so what if I tell you the universe loves to set, set it up, sets the stage every time. So let us move on. We've got, uh, and so keep that in mind as we talk about all the astrology here. We are smack dab in the middle of the lead up to the election in the United States. So we have a, as the sun gets situated in. Which, just to speak, I mean, I'm realizing we've completely avoided this topic so far, but it is, we, there's so many things that go with how wild the astrology is versus, you know. Yeah. One of the potential candidates who could end up winning is also like in court. And, you know, it's like people are trying to be like. It's just so crazy. I mean, but that's all going to feed into this. And and we'll know more about what happens related to all these different court cases by then. And But yeah, that's just like a whole other thing. I don't want to, we it's, don't need to take up time talking yeah, about, but it's it's just it's a, wild. We, it's, it's all going to be part of this. So yeah. <laughs> so not too long after. Actually, they're both, they're both involving court because I mean, they're going to be, they're now, I think, going to try to um, impeach Biden, I think, over his son, Hunter Biden. So like, it's just a big mess, you know? Yeah. So hello, 29 degree Pluto. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's all a big mess. It's all a mess. So speaking of mess, we have, we have another, we have actually have another sun Mercury conjunction uh, that's going to happen on the South node uh, at the end of September there, in uh, which will lead us into the eclipse, the. Yeah. She goes back to that eclipse. So October 2nd, we have a an eclipse in Libra at 10 degrees, uh, another south node eclipse. And is this our final eclipse in, or is there one more in this axis? I don't think it's the final one, no. Final, let me. So we have a uh, one more Libra one, don't we? 
I think. I think we have one of each actually, but I could be wrong. Uh, because we don't oh, have, we have a um, berries. Yeah, it's just like barely, right? Yeah, March 29th. And then there's one in. Oh, Libra. Yeah. oh yeah. no, it's a Virgo lunar eclipse, I think. So it might be the last. Uh, it's the last Libra. Libra. It might be the yeah. last Libra. Yeah. Because there doesn't end up. I think if I'm remembering right, there's not a Pisces solar eclipse. Yes. I, I, that, yeah. I'm bummed by that. Honestly, right? <laughs> I no, am, I'm not. I'm not I'm worrying good. about that one. I, well, I know you're not, but I mean that's my fifth house. I'm like, come on, give me, give me a, open the door, open the door. Um, <laughs> no, well, there, one thing, one theme is that there's like we just saw that lunar eclipse in Pisces, which is interesting, but there are some really powerful lunar eclipses coming mm -hmm. in on that Pisces Virgo axis that hit the yeah. Saturn Neptune. So that's going to be a definite theme is like these really powerful lunar eclipses yeah but anyway this is like the last libra solar eclipse last libra solar uh which we have uh configured to the south node and we have mercury right there we also have I mean, it's, it's squaring you... mars so that's the thing i mean this is like there's some i can't say this looks like a wonderful eclipse it, but, it sounds, um, sounds like a wild election is what that sounds like to me it's... yeah and it's and it's and Speaking of that in the election, what's what we what we can see, they're still far apart. They're still, you know, not necessarily Mars's orb, but Mars by whole sign, you can see that opposition to Pluto. It's like with getting within 14 degrees. And I, I feel like this is when we really get fully like more fully initiated into this Mars Pluto opposition because we get this yeah, Libra solar eclipse with Mercury squaring Mars. Um and even though we're and it's gonna we're not quite at yet to that Mars Pluto opposition, like there's something about it getting kind of set off here. Yeah. And yeah. and this is big, big power dynamics in uh personal life, but also in the in the world. Like there's there's big, big things that seem to be about this this uh Mars Pluto opposition that'll go down. Yeah. Not the United States election being one element, the United States being sort of like the one of the the empires of the world and who's in charge of that empire. But I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the place. We'll, we'll be seeing big power dynamic things happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're the, the powers that be will be out to grab, uh, and working behind the scenes. And that's, there's going to be a whole theme to the fall. It's going to be a theme into the next year. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely a theme. I find it also interesting that we have this, uh, mm. grand water trying yeah, that, that, that Venus is basically, uh, applying to, and she's the ruler mm -hmm. of this eclipse, um, in her, uh, in her detriment, but you know, she's, so we got a Venus in detriment and then we got a Mars in fall basically, <laughs> basically. So they're, uh, they're help. They're trying to help each other out, but they're, oh, they're, they've got their own things going on. They got their own, uh, um, eccentricities and po potential difficulties to work through. Uh, but there is sort of this sense of, form or flow or order or a lot of emotional content or connective content um that is that's going on with this eclipse i have mixed feelings about it i see its difficulties but i also see <laughs> i don't know i mean the, the water triangle is something it is something <laughs> it's definitely something um i didn't you know what image came in my mind is a toilet bowl flushing 
<laughs> like the water going down, you know, circling, circling and going down um, for whatever reason. But that's, that's what came in. Hmm. All right. I wish I had a little bit more about say about that. I think when we get so far into our uh, marathon programs, my brain starts to go blip, 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 blip. My brain's like the AirPod where, when it's dying and it happens. Yeah. Well, I brought up some other stars. I mean, one thing that's in <laughs> rare Venus is there, which does make that little place of, of uh, Scorpio actually quite powerful. I'm pretty sure for one, she's in her own bounds. Um, she's definitely in her own triplicity. And then that is also, is it, she's in her own bounds, right? Oh yeah. You can see so. it there. Yeah, yeah, well, um, in her own bound. I think so. Pretty sure. I'll give you, I'll let you know. I'm pretty sure she's Check. in her own bounds and then triplicity and then, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, she's in, she's in triplicity, but she has, she has squeaked into Mercury's bounds. Oh really? At 11? Oh yeah. She, uh, that's okay, maybe it's right. It's, you see, I don't know if you can see it. I'm like pointing, <laughs> but you can't see my pointer. Yeah, it's just like barely in there. Okay, so maybe that's just, it's, it ends right there. Okay. So the lead up, well, she's in her. In yeah, her. well, I was going to say there's a fixed star, um, Alfeca in the Corona Borealis, um, star of Ariane, Ariane's crown, where it's a it's, it's a star that, that has, um, it's a star of the nature of Venus, and um is very much about can be about like sort of crowns and honors and but also like the what comes in when you when you take on that um crown the responsibility of that um sort of theme that we've already been talking about where maybe if you you are having some advancement you know you're gonna have to really come to terms with the responsibilities yeah. I was thinking about that um, earlier today. Uh, of, uh, involved in that, yeah. A heavy is the head that wears the crown. Mm. The um, well, and so let's let's move forward in within this um, lunar cycle itself because there's a lot of dynamic aspects that are taking place with with the sun uh, and Mars and actually Chiron because the sun and Mars are getting to their place where they're forming their square. Um, and we're going to have a full moon. Actually, I'm just going to go straight to that full moon real quick. Uh, yeah, that full moon is big. Full moon on October 17th that is uh, in Aries. Yeah. That is basically lighting up a T-square with Sun, Mars, Chiron. Keep in mind we're in Mars that is now in full shadow phase of the upcoming uh, retrograde. We're in definitely Mars territory because something to consider with mid-October through November is that we're going to also, right after this, have a new moon in Scorpio that's going to be ruled by Mars opposing Pluto. So we're entering a really Martian combative, um, potentially volatile, especially thinking about just election season and how everybody's like, eh, you know, this, that, it's like, you know, <laughs> like just all that business. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what pops out to you? Yeah. Just the, what you're saying. So it's, it's the fact that this, this whole lunar cycle begins with a, a powerful solar eclipse in Libra that's squaring Mars. 
And then we hit the full million where it's completely activating it. So the, the lunar cycle, you know, it's, it's, we, we have this impending Mars Pluto opposition, which is going to play out for an extended period of time because the Mars going retrograde and both the solar eclipse and the following full moon, just like, you know, kind of like light it on fire. I mean, and this is the one that's really lighting it on fire, uh, being an Aries full moon. And so, um, uh, and I mean, Mars it's one of the things where it's just like, gotta get ready. I mean, just be ready for real dynamic, um, change coming in here. Well, and then just thinking about Mars and cancer is like how Mars, how, how Mars fights, how Mars goes about things in cancer. It's very sideways and emotional and like hits you in your, in the things you care about and the, you know, pulling on your you know, your, your emotional and protective self. Um, and I think about just to bring up, you know, obviously we're going to be referring to election season, just the, the fight being around, you know, domestic issues or around things that people, uh, want to protect that are close to them or their family or their idea of, uh, allegiance to a nation, right. You know, cancer is very, uh, connected to patriotism um too so yeah just it definitely feels heightened heightened and jarring there is a mutual reception between mars and the moon which you know true technically we could say we perhaps be mitigating a bit of that but so maybe at least in our personal lives that can this could be playing out in a more really productively dynamic way True, but it, right, it's going to be a it big mess. And tension, though. I mean, yeah, it's, it's still going to have tension. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, expect a lot of tension personally, collectively. Um, yeah. So let's move on. I can already feel. I already feel the tension. So we're going to move on um, to yeah. Let's move on to the news. New moon. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Fast forwarding to November first. I mean, when I saw this configuration, Gray, I was like, oh, good Lord. Good Lord. A new moon in Scorpio. So it's basically two, it, yeah, just two lunations in a row, you know, ruled by but the Mars opposing Pluto, basically. I, it, it's like the day. Mm -hmm. It's It's the day of that mm -hmm. first. And this is actually what I kind of wanted to share with some of the research that I did on Mars mm. Pluto. Um, and not to say that this is the same time period by any means, because we, every time we get an aspect, no matter if we've had an aspect or reverse or it, or of like, you know, it's, there's always different combinations going on in the sky, but immediately I was kind of intrigued. I was like, well, let me look back to when Mars was in the reverse replacement, uh, placement of this when back in the late 30s we had mars at 29 degrees of capricorn opposing pluto at uh, 29 degrees of cancer so basically the reversed position mm -hmm. and i found it fascinating that that whole mars retrograde cycle because it was because it's not every day that mars opposes pluto but also does a retrograde cycle over it so you got to keep that in mind um so this was actually a really crucial time to the buildup of World War II. Uh, not to say that we're going into World War III or anything like that. Uh, and it's also important to think about just Mars at that time in Capricorn was in its exalted state versus Mars in its 
fallen state here too. It's a different uh, effect. Um, but right before the first Mars-Pluto opposition on those anoretic degrees in May of 1939, uh, there was a... Um, Germany and Italy signed the Pact of Steel, which basically made alliances between Germany and Italy uh, as mm -hmm. the, you know, advancing Hitler's uh, um, agenda and obviously fascist Germany. And so it tied them both together in this pact that really started to solidify the Axis powers. And it was later in that summer on August 23rd, actually the same day that Mars turned direct, the very same day that the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact was signed, which was a non-aggressive treaty between Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. So then it formed this alliance between the two that was basically, it shocked the whole international community because it paved the way for the invasion into Poland in September when that was the next opposition to Pluto. And so there's something to be said about Mars and any planet that's retrograde, but especially when we're thinking about Mars, um, working behind the scenes and what happens when it's in retrograde motion uh, that can come out and be rather explosive on the other end of it. And we talked about this in the Gemini version when I, Shu and Spencer Michaud joined me because there was these themes of that too. So there's always this behind the scenes um, aggression or plotting that happens with Mars retrograde. So I just wanted to share that because I th I couldn't believe that, that how perfectly those lined up with such pivotal um, timing uh, for these. I mean, we're talking about Mars is the god of war. Pluto is this this is the power is the underworld power. Um, so yeah, I wanted to share that. And so again, that was um, Mars went um, retrograde from Aquarius back to Capricorn. Yes. It basically was opposite Pluto and Leo. So it's the opposite. Um, and then the one other thing I would say about that, yeah, because also it's really not sounding good in terms of that led into yeah. the power dynamics that then led into the eruption of World War II is though that at that time, Saturn was in um, Taurus. So we actually had Saturn squaring Pluto. So it was actually a Mars, Saturn, Pluto. It's like, it was, it was actually worse astrology than what we have here. It was it was not only was it Mars Pluto retrograde time, it was Saturn Pluto time. So um that piece thankfully we 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 don't have going on at least this time. Yeah. Um, that's so a that's a key difference. Same. But it's still it's it does though you're right that it relates to um things that potentially could happen. I mean, people are talking about the dangers of a world war. Um, I well, know I've been less, I'm not been so sure, but like, I don't, I don't really know still if I really feel like it's going to be like a world war two scenario, but certainly what we're already seeing with like Israel, what we're seeing with like Ukraine, Russia, where like there's wars happening and then other powers are really actually involved in the supporting and giving money and exactly. that kind of thing. Certainly we already know it's already going on, but I think and the there'll be, There'll be some other things going on like that, I think. Yeah. Or are you gonna Well, and I think that's I think that's the interesting part about the reverse of the configuration is the opposite, mm -hmm. you know, because now we got Mars in, in Cancer. It's this this different like we're getting to this place, especially with 
Jupiter and Pisces, you know, like the humanitarian side of things, the care, like the fact that, you know, the 29 degree uh, Pluto is, is so um, in your face now with these power dynamics that I don't necessarily think it would re it would happen again like that by any means. If anything, it can be and hopefully like a repeat of history where it starts that, but the ability for it to carry out would be different because of just the awareness of people and how we've uh, hopefully evolved um, over time and caring a little bit more. But that could be my idealistic Pisces South Node speaking. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it could be. And I, I definitely, it's a really, a really key difference, again, is that it's not, we don't have Saturn in a T-square with them. So that's yeah. something we can be thankful for, which was like what was happening then. I mean, one <laughs> thing I did see that goes with Mars retrograde and Leo, not necessarily like Leo to Cancer, but a different sort of dynamic than we were talking about, but it is like world alliances and power deals and there's things like, um, you know, like the United Nations, for example, where, you know, there's a lot of people concerned about things related to the United Nations and, you know, where, where do they have too much control or people like coming together too much to mm. dictate what things are happening. That's obviously how, um, um, I'm not saying it's, it's, obviously it's what led to the creation of the state of Israel back, um, yeah, back the after. after the World War II. Um, but there's also always like that potential, what could the what could the United Nations do in a positive sense? And the people are sometimes all upset about that. And it's like, it's not doing enough. And why can't it bring about a ceasefire in Israel, for example? But when we're talking about these global entities, there, there is something I noticed that was kind of strange that I think probably goes with this. So there was in uh, 45 to 46, there was a Leo to Cancer one like we have now. That The United Nations formed in October, like right before it. So sort of in the eclipse season and there had already been a world bank thing forming but there was more um 21 nations i guess ratified the articles creating the world bank during that retrograde um a later one in 48 which was basically virgo to leo the world health organization was created by the united nations there was also a general agreement on tariffs and trade that was inaugurated that um was it one of those things that's you know, about promoting international trade and removing tariffs. And, uh, but it's again, one of those big global agreements around trade and money and power dynamics, which we could, we can imagine stuff like that happening again. And that actually pretty much stayed in effect, apparently, from what I read until 95, when, when Mars was again, retrograde from Virgo to Leo. Um, and that was when the World Trade Organization was established. So I, I I was just I was finding some previous Mars you know these these kind of global agreements and mm -hmm. it was just and was things alliance, coming in yeah. were like yeah there we can maybe yeah there's probably there's some major thing going on during this time period about all of these things and um, yeah. yeah and then this is essentially the the new moon period that the election is under <laughs> so. Um, It'll be intriguing to see uh, the dynamic of how it all all plays out. Um, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But it is definitely a volatile signature and one that sets up a longer stage 
because it's not just a one pass. It's a whole story between Mars and Pluto and Mars getting ready to retrograde. So um, let us move on, Gray. Want to get this recording in under four hours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no one needs to listen to us over four hours. There's, um, <laughs> so there's that full moon. Did you do the full? You just done the full moon, I think. Yeah. So, well, um, Mars goes into Leo right after that, obviously. Yeah, so, Mars is but, in Leo um, on yeah. November 4th. And the full moon, I think. We're going to, yeah, we're going to fast forward to our full moon on November 15th. Uh, full moon in Taurus, which is going to be conjunct a retrograde Uranus. So we get our Uranus yeah. action here. Yep, that's going to be in America. People were really excited about that election results, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, because is the uh, election on the 12th? It would have already happened, yeah. yeah. So... Here we got a Venus rolled uh, full moon with Venus with Venus at the bending of the nodes in Capricorn. So that definitely speaks to <laughs> some of the, the power dynamics going on and the justice, the justice of the right bureaucratic choices. Um, yeah, another another full moon, another activation of uranus basically uh which is always exciting which is always uh somewhat unpredictable or unstable um any thoughts on this uh full moon besides the fact that it's uranian and has a has a nodal twist <laughs> yeah um I mean, again, this makes so, me think that there's something going back here to that Jupiter, Uranus, and whatever's, whatever is kind of going on with that with you related to the beginning of the year. Um, but now we're in a totally different, you know, place with things. Um, it's hard to separate this living in the United States from the election and what's going to happen with that. But certainly other people, other parts of the world have, will have their own things going on at this time. Um which I don't think, Gray, we but, even um, dated, uh, just to th for the record, for the record, back in mid-October, Jupiter went retrograde um, right after the solar eclipse. Yeah. Pluto stationed direct uh, right before that full moon in Aries. Mm. Just to add a little extra emphasis to the planetary movements. Uh, well, this is the right before, and what this is really picking up is um, it's this full moon trining Pluto too. So it's a, it's Uranian, but it's also trining Pluto right before it Pluto goes back out. into Aquarius for good. And, and in a few days when Pluto goes back into Aquarius for good, it is in Aquarius until 2043. Forever. This is, this is the end of the Pluto and Capricorn with finality. Um. So um, what I guess it makes me think about is, you know, um, again, ready for that, that you always say at a full moon conjunct your honesty, expect the unexpected, <laughs> but, it, but hopefully, you know, even though there could be really difficult oh. world events happening, um, I know figuring out how to like, like whatever, um, finding that, uh, the, I guess the, the, um, using it to kind of feel 
what you really want to be doing, you know, kind of like, like it kind of makes me think almost like irregardless, not irregardless of what's going on in the world, but like, um, it'll probably be very deeply concerned with what's going on in the world. But if you don't like what's going on in the world, sort of using that to motivate yourself to, um, create your own kind of change and what you're able to do in your life is, is what it makes me think about. Well, we, we forgot one key component of this full moon and that's Saturn stations direct on it. So mm. that's happening. Yeah. That's massive. Oh. That's, yeah, that's, it's the same day, massive. right? Yeah. It's I think the same it's the same, day. Yeah. So that's huge. I mean, and there's, we, we've seen this already with, with Saturn, um, Saturn stationing in Pisces and we've already been seeing a lot and uh, often big events related to water. What's also happening is Saturn stationing, um, direct and Jupiter's already retrograde. So we're about a month away. It's around, what is it? December 24th that we get the next Saturn Jupiter square. So we're also heading into a period now where we're um, with Saturn going direct here. We're going to come into the second of their three square aspects. So that's also um, intensifying here. Yes. In addition, Pluto going into Aquarius. It's pretty big Saturn Pluto stuff, you know, like Saturn stations and then Pluto goes into Aquarius, like bam, bam, just within days with yeah. that full moon, just kind of electrifying it. Yeah. So this is going to be a very intense period of, of time just in the world, in your personal life. Um, and so just, just to know knowledge is power, just be aware of what's going on, um, and make the best use of it. Because not too long after that, you know, now we got Pluto, now we got Pluto and Aquarius for forever, <laughs> what, what it can seem like forever. Um, and then we have Mercury who's going to go station retrograde, um, actually on the point that it's stationed direct, uh, will be mm. stationed direct here on January 1st. So 22 degrees of Sagittarius. So we are uh, basically, you know, getting into a getting into the final months out of the year, but we don't leave 2024 with uh, an easy, like a month. <laughs> There's actually a lot going on as we head into December. Uh, before we get there, we have a new moon in uh, Sagittarius, which will be squaring that Saturn that's now direct. Um, so once again, we have another lunation that is, and really it's in opposition to Jupiter too. Mm -hmm. So we have this whole um, kind of opening of uh, solar and lunar energy and this whole cycle that is going to emphasize the Jupiter-Saturn momentum, um, which can be, it will be very externalized in the sense that, I mean, it's Sagittarius and Gemini. It's usually those signs are out there, <laughs> but Jupiter is retrograde. So there is the internal component of um, the dynamic energy of what's changing and shifting and the, the story chapters and uh, yeah, just how, how we're growing, how we're envision what we're envisioning, how we're acting on that, but it's still, almost being in my mind, like an, an incubation process still. Mm. Especially with yeah. Mercury. And, and that's, that's, I love all that for the new moon. And then the other thing is um, it's a few days after this. So we're in the retrograde. So this is a, this is a, this is a we, we were talked about these Mercury retrogrades in fire science as maybe being about helping to 
see what's getting in the way or having to reek of, of what's bringing more vitality and excitement and inspiration. And, and this is one that's really very much about, it's very configured to that Jupiter Saturn square. Yeah. Let's actually move um, forward. Yeah. Cause you go, that. cause right. Yeah. Cause after the new moon, then we come into a Kazemi and it's, it's, it's pretty tightly configured to it. Yeah. And this is like within a month, within a few, a couple of weeks from now, um, we'll actually have the Jupiter Saturn square happening, but before we get to it, we get this Mercury Kazemi giving us some real um, information about whatever that is. Well, and so um, we, you can definitely think about in the United States, for example, whatever happened a month earlier with that option and how you can start seeing what's, what's going to bring societally, how are you going to like adjust to that, um, for example, but it could be about, about, about a bunch of things, but um, definitely kind of tapping you into um, larger societal changes and, and how your personal life and growth and development, what you're working on um, kind of intersects with that. It's something that makes me think of, because then also we got Venus Pluto coming in at the same time. Yeah. Venus Pluto. At the same time. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's, it's to harken back to uh, another big hot spot of the year that we were talking about earlier with, you know, August, mid, late August. And the fact that we had the, oh. The Kazemi then, and that was activating, or it was just coinciding with Jupiter and Saturn. I mean, it was more, it was configured to Uranus, but the fact that we get these, you know, back-to-back -back inferior Kazemis that happen during the, these Jupiter-Saturn, uh, you know, hotspots, and now it actually is configured to it, seems very... Um, well, the, not just that, but I just realized, because it's because you stopped it too early, but... Mars goes retrograde on this day, actually. Well, Mars goes so, retrograde. Yeah. Isn't it Mar December 6th? I have it as December 6th. Am I wrong? Or is it? Oh, you're right. You're you're right. It's interesting because the supposedly actually Mercury sun is on the fifth, technically. Okay. Um, and then it's so okay. Let's do a lead up because I think there's it's context because this period of time is very loaded and i think we yeah it's, it's really it's really loaded, loaded. It's yeah really loaded. Mm -hmm. so basically the fifth we got sun mercury the sixth we got Mer uh, mars stationing retrograde in leo mm -hmm. the seventh we've got venus and pluto coming together we also got the sun opposing jupiter uh at this time and we also have neptune stationing direct on the seventh um and then a couple days later on the 11th venus opposes mars so mm -hmm. basically from the fifth through the 11th basically through the new moon in sag to the full moon in gemini which will be square neptune who's just stationing there is a lot going on so this is hot spot alert hot spot alert where do you what do you want to talk about with it what's your yeah i mean what also happens and even just a just add in the next thing while we're talking about this now is like about a, was it like a week later when Mercury stations direct, it's kind of trining, um, trining Mars. Mars. So there, but, but the key thing is when we're right, we're passing Mars is when we're, when we're in the center of the, the Mercury retrograde and we're talking about that and trying to gain that clarity related to the Jupiter Saturn dynamics going on, Mars is stationing at the same time. So it, it tends to be this real, um, and then the Venus Pluto coming in. So there, there's definitely a huge thing here about power dynamics, um, being exposed and, um, but hopefully with the Mercury, I guess the thing I would hope is the Mercury sun 
helps gain some deeper realizations about this. As Mercury stations direct, trining Mars and moves forward again. I mean, that's the only thing, that's something about this where perhaps in the end, Mercury can help with some um, understanding a bit, a bit about how to work with whatever starts developing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, t just a lot of tension going on, even if we're trying to like get, wrap our heads around it, uh, you know, Mercury being in, Mercury just being in Jupiter, or Jupiter sign too. So here we have this like mutual reception going yeah, on. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't bring that up earlier, but there's a mutual reception yeah. in that opposition, right? Yeah. So trying Which, to I mean, grasp I think like, that the big picture and the D. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Um, but it, but uh, I feel like that does help. To me, that helps with grasping the bigger picture. But um, yeah, I mean, there's in the moment and like kind mm. of being the, going back to that term, which might be actually uh, one of my takeaway words is that flexibility, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> within this time period and how things are shifting. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought that. Mercury and Jupiter, you know, being all about the mutable sign, it's all about that sort of flexibility of consciousness and how important mm -hmm. that is. Yeah. So um, grab a hold of that. Grab a hold of that duality in uh, December during the holiday season. We got the holidays rearing up uh, and this is basically going down. And yeah. then well, I know. <laughs> so uh, festive holiday season, which actually brings us to Christmas Eve we have Jupiter, uh, who's retrograde squaring Saturn. So that's the, that's yeah. the actual next, um, it's a little early right there. So basically Christmas. Yeah. And then you can see Mercury is not coming direct and comes back into, um, yeah, opposition or into yeah. the T square. Yeah. Back into the T square with Saturn and Jupiter, but now it's moving direct. And, uh, this is also then as you know, Pluto and Mars are getting within about a couple of degrees, three degrees of opposing yes. one another. So that's, that opposition's really intensifying as we come to the end of the year. And, um, so and that, yeah. Signs too. So we, it's like a different flavor than the first one we felt, mm -hmm. right? Because it is at zero degrees of Leo and Aquarius instead, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, and then we got Venus squaring Uranus at this time too. So there's a, you know, there's a lot going on at the end of the year, but I'm just going to fast forward. And I think we could probably close out on looking at yeah. the moon. The new moon. Yeah. Yeah. So we got a new moon on G December 30th uh, in Capricorn, nine degrees, which um, is actually it's in a, well, what did I write here? Well, well it is the new moon that encapsulates Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, square there um, and especially being a Saturn ruled moon so there is that dynamic um, can't get away from Mars retrograde opposing Pluto like that's <laughs> that's that's that uh, and Mars is the exaltation ruler of the new moon so mm. there's a way that that comes in still a bit um, but yeah it's, it's at least nice that uh Hopefully it's helpful that the new moon is in a domicile of Saturn and basically a sextiling Saturn. So yeah, maybe that I think can be so. some helpful support for, for this time. 
It will be definitely be a dynamic end to the year, um, and it's much like the uh, overlay of Mars retrograde in Gemini that had the same kind of effect, where we had Mars retrograde during the holidays and into the beginning part of the the next year. There might be a lot that is like dynamically shifting and some in- intensity going on, maybe in the world, but also within the self. And the d- dynamics that are are changing, but we're not quite there yet. So it's not going to have that same flow like we have at the beginning of this year, where all of a sudden we get this dynamic Capricorn action, where you got some Earth trines. We can really work with the energy here. There's more of a um, I'm going to use the word incubation period again too. It's like an intense one. There's a lot going on. There'll be a lot going on behind the scenes, um, but it. It doesn't have quite that, like, new year, new me. There's just, there's a lot of complications, <laughs> I feel like, of, like, how the story's progressing and things that need to be worked out. Um, yeah. In fact, I'm I'm thinking of, um, let's see. I'm going to quote my, quote myself, because I wrote a, um, <laughs> quote myself. <laughs> I wrote something for the, yeah, I wrote for the, these are the plug, if anyone wants a, Beautiful journal for the year ahead, Ignota Press out of uh, London, United Kingdom, uh, published. They have have their journal that I did the forecast for. So I'm just going to read what I read because I was um, just thinking, it's like a, why? Why um, not? Get in there. Yeah, I wrote 2024 will end with a cliffhanger um, because of what you're saying. Jupiter retrograde squaring Saturn. At the same time, Mars is, you know, retrograding back to oppose Pluto, and so the year will not end with clarity and definitive conclusions, but rather questions and activations that can stimulate soul searching and hopefully productive growth in the year ahead. So that, that's kind of, I just feel like there's something about this. It does have a bit of a cliffhanger thing to make sense. The new year is like ending, and it's like, but it's not, it's all going to, all the stuff's still about to happen. We're kind of in the, the calendar year, it's flipping kind of before the astrology is playing out and, and but whatever is going on here um you know there is something about mars opposing pluto pluto activating that beginning of aquarius which we keep talking about as being part of this whole new mm-hmm. epochal era with the jupiter saturn jupiter saturn squaring at that critical phase relating to what was be- begun in 2020 um and this is sort of taking us in like the heart of whatever journey we're on. Um, Cause I do think of Mars as being very much about being on a journey quest. And um, there's a lot more that's going to happen in this Mars retrograde that, that, you know, we can't talk, we're not going to talk about cause it's all about 2025, but yeah, you're going to have to you know, wait until next where it, it goes on. <laughs> yeah. It, there's it's so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a very different end to the year than this year where um, yeah, there could definitely be stuff you're kind of like, you might want to have, you know, it'll be on situations. Some of us will probably have a bunch of stuff we're having to respond to and take care of because there's just a bunch of stuff happening with some of these aspects that are going on at the end of next year. Yeah. So if that's not a Capricorn way to end, you know, I just imagine a, I just see a goat hanging off the edge of the cliff, like on the, <laughs> like prepping itself on the side of the, oh my goodness. Oh, great. Look, my eyes are just like, 
That's yeah. what call power forecasting. That is power yeah. forecasting. So, you know, we can't get away until we we think of uh, one word. What do you got? What do you got? One word to describe. I'm going to say magician because I don't think I said this at the beginning, um, but I think I told you off camera when I pulled a card earlier for like what's like a major arcana for the year. I pulled the magician, but then in my own personal life, I keep pulling the magician. I have this Leonora, Leonora Carrington, the surrealist painter, the deck of cards she that people have created now that's based on her power painting of the major arcana. So it's Karnam. You can only pull a major arcana. It's only all major arcana. But um, ever since the Libra Solar Cup, I keep pulling the magician. And I did, but I just did it again. So, and I, by saying the magician, I think there's just a lot of, um, which I know we actually, I think we brought up the magician last year, but I, I feel like it's more important this next year, um, which is what you're able to do with your life um, what you're able to take responsibility and accountability for. Um, it's, it's just really important and it's really important to, um, do what you're able to do to get into your passion and what you really want to create with your life in ways that can help inspire other people and support other people, um, to do the same as we head into like a lot of, you know, societal instability in yeah. the years ahead and disruptions and, Hmm. Well, I think I'm just going to use the card that I got too, because it's fitting. And it's like literally the other end of the spectrum, which was, I had drawn judgment before we got on here. And so I even think about like your story, Gray, and like how you're, ma you're ta making the shift and you're being the magician in your life and going into this next stage. But there's also this element of judgment where there, you can't go back. Like, mm. there's, like you can't go back to the past. There's like this element of answering the call of your life. Yeah, definitely. Your life is calling. Are you going to answer? <laughs> essentially. Mm -hmm. Um. So and I think we we've sort of been seeing that on all these forecasts ever since we were coming into 2020. But um, <laughs> on that first one, we were describing it. It was hard to know because we didn't know what's going to happen. But it's that really was a turning point of like, you know, things are not things were not going back, and we we've kind of known that. Um, but now we're really in the thick of it, and. Yeah. Um, well, and it's a real, it's a different not going back too. I mean, we're not going back from how it was two years ago, like post pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, that's very mm -hmm. Jupiter Saturn, you know, it's the turning of the, it's the crossroads of Jupiter Saturn. And so we can't go back to, you know, 20, 2020 and like things are going on there. Like we have to, um, we have to rise up, move forward, answer the call, answer the call. Oh, right, Gray. I think we did. I think we did a good job. I think we we pulled it out. Fifth year running. Um, I'm always left speechless at by this point. But where remind people where where can people find you? What you got going on? Did you share yeah. your Kepler course? I can't remember. No. So yeah, you can find my site at graycrawford.net. If you're interested in learning Zodiac releasing, um, there's going to be a course through Kepler College that I'll be teaching, giving live instructions. It's a great way to learn Zodiac releasing with a teacher like myself there to kind of give you um, 
feedback and there can be live interaction and there's a couple has our own message board we can utilize for that. So that'll be a um, five week course on Zodiacal releasing. You can go to the Kepler. Well, my website has a link to it, but you can go to the Kepler College um, website if you've been interested in learning Zodiacal releasing or even if you already know it, but just want to go deeper into it. We're definitely going to get into um, looking at um, like the the rulers of the the periods and where they are and how that connects natally and use the opportunity of having a course to kind of go um, to deeper into some of the the nuances of the technique and then um, in case anybody is somehow listening to this in China I am going to teach a course in China on secondary progressions and at, at the end of March that's an eight week course for the Nordor uh, school which is run by uh, David uh, Rayleigh, and um, I'm actually really excited about that just because um, I did a webinar for them once, and it was really interesting to to speak and then have your uh, translated. What you're saying translated, yeah, just kind of it's an interesting rhythm. You have to say something and then they translate into Chinese, um, and yeah, that that's for me just an exciting thing because um, I haven't taught a course like that before, um, and then but the more important thing is related to the English speaking wor world is Norwalk. Uh, next year I'll be giving two talks at. So if you're interested in going to Norwalk, it'll be Jupiter will have just gone into Gemini and that whole Gemini thing we were looking at, that's going to be Norwalk. So there should be some, it should be a great <laughs> time for uh, learning and hanging out with people in real life. And then later in uh, September 3rd to the 15th, I'm going to be assisting, um, Jason Holly yes. in leading a tour through sacred sites in Greece that has not been really publicly announced yet, but pay attention to uh, the beginning of the new year. If you follow me or, or Jason, there'll be more um, concrete announcements about that and what that looks like. If you want to want to do it. Um, and then I have my Patreon that's ongoing, um, which on the higher level, is involving uh, working on fixed stars. So every month we do a fixed star um, class and that's been really fun. Um, that's it. <laughs> that's a, well, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but yeah, for me, the main thing is I'll eventually uh, have more time to produce astrology content, which would be exciting because I haven't, I've always struggled to have time to do it. So oh, you're going to have a lot of time. That's you're exciting gonna... about, yeah, actually being able to, focus on it now so i'm excited okay, to see what your happens books with soon. that writing that book we'll, Greg. See. we'll see <laughs> all right well of course i'll share gray's information and all the offerings that he was sharing there i'm very excited to find out more about the the greece excursion i've always wanted to go to greece and so why not go with gray that sounds like a great time um why not so why not why not so so where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at energeticprinciples. Uh, I, I don't know if Gray said, but you can find graycrawford.net, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Gray Crawford Astrology with underscores on uh, Instagram. On Instagram. Yeah. So Not a Gray underscore Crawford. I need no other extra underscores or other oh, letters thrown in. There's two so there's, underscores. Yeah, there's definitely fake accounts out there. You got to find I the, know. We all have gray fake underscore, just one underscore in between the three words. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a world we live in. Um, 
All right. Well, if you liked what you heard here today, uh, share it with a friend. Leave a comment if you're watching this on YouTube. Tell us what you think uh, is going to happen in 2024 or what your takeaways were here. Uh, if you're listening to this in podcast version, uh, leave a review wherever you listen to this. Um, helps get the podcast shared further. Uh, like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. I'm going back and forth. YouTube, podcast, YouTube, podcast. But anyway, you can show support. That would be wonderful. Um, I think that's really all I have to say. I've We have said so much. There's no more to say. Yeah. So, and I think you've been doing, look like you've been doing some YouTube lives. Oh, I have. Recently, so people yeah. can I've been doing check that streams. Out. Yeah. So keep in, keep in, in touch with some streams in the new year. I would like to do more uh, weekly streams. It's more of a regular thing. But I figure let's get past Mercury Retrograde first. Um and finish up some other projects that I have going on. But that is a goal of mine in the new year because I really like streaming. Uh, and it's just fun to be able to interact with people live and uh, in real time. So stay tuned for that. All right, Gray. Well, thank you for joining me again for five years in a row and, and spending uh, an afternoon talking through the astrology of the year ahead. It's always a pleasure to get to connect with you. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, everyone, 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 good luck. Good luck in 2024. We're going to wish you the best. Maybe we'll do a, a halfway through again. See see where we end up once we know more. <laughs> um, but yeah, good luck out there. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm -hmm.